It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to your Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC. If you'd like to be part of the program today, 800 800- 848-WABC is the number to call. 800-848-9222. So much to discuss. We will jump right into it. As we welcome my good friend, my columnist, uh, author, broadcaster, man about town, the one, the only, Derek Hunter. Derek, this has been a hell of a week. You always leave off sexual dynamo. I don't know anything about that. That's between you and your wife. I, I'm staying out of it. I know. You have evidence. You, you subscribe to. Look, uh, I, I know. You have the receipts week. on that, by the way. <laughs> it has been a hell of a week. It's, every week is a hell of a week. It's, uh, it's great for this business, less great the process and cause and the, the cause of liberty but you know it used to be august would give you a nice break maybe september they'd start slow but no there's there's no breaks anymore james it's yeah the dog fun. days of summer i've talked about that when the first years when i was doing the rush show every you know the end of august september going into labor day congress would go out of session and the news would dry up mm-hmm. and then also around the christmas holidays the news would dry up. That was when You'd everybody be... in the business took vacations. Right. If you watch TV, it's like, who's this person? Like, oh, they're filling in for somebody who's on vacation because, it, oh, it must be summer. Not anymore. Not anymore is right. The news cycles never, ever stop. And in the first few years of this, people start were complaining about it. Now it's just that's the way things are. Well, do, you, do you think it is the news cycle stop or it's the the consumption the desperate need to consume or the people who do it are just blowing making mountains out of molehills i don't know no it's the it's the the news doesn't it doesn't stop i mean look at this week we had the senate here we had the house hearings with merrick garland which were kind of a well i can't wait to hear what you have to say about that and also later on today i don't even know what princess Di is going to talk about but i'm looking forward to that um, and then we have, of course, the the never-ending surge at the borders. Mm-hmm. Biden just says, okay, unilaterally, let's put half a million almost, I'm using approximate numbers, half a million people under legal status. We have no idea who they are, where they, you know, a lot of them are from Whether Venezuela. Or not, we do know that. in any way, shape, or form. They don't give a damn. Right, right. You've got now, that. Think about this. We, if you're somebody out there, you're like, you can't take a job for 10 bucks an hour. But uh, because you just can't live. So you're looking for something more. And suddenly, did you ever think to yourself what this competitive job market needs, and especially for living wages, is about a half million more people competing for it? There's no way on God's green earth that raises wages at all while prices are going through the roof thanks to Biden's inflation. So he screwed over the very people that he, you know, lunch bucket Joe, he's, maybe because he's kicking over lunch buckets. He, Democrats always claim to represent the working class. They're not. They're not at all. They're, they're putting the UAW members at risk, and they're part of the reason for the strike 
because the EV requirements are going to cost a lot of union jobs and cause a lot of outsourcing of manufacturing of these jobs. Right. They don't care. They are a... uh, they're the Tasmanian devil going through life. Well, well, now you need to explain that because you just you just breezed over that. Let's explain that for a minute, so people know exactly what we're talking about here. These mandates, these, and this is whether they admit it or not. A lot of this is the fear that Democrats had of rejecting Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and the Green New Deal, that progressive arm of their party. Mm-hmm. So they have implemented mandates to try to force more Americans into electric vehicles. Which kind of tells you what Americans think of this. If it were wonderful, if these things were wonderful and really fit the lifestyle needs and were affordable for most Americans, you wouldn't have to mandate their purchase. You wouldn't have to subsidize their creation. Just saying. Yeah. I mean, I, as I, as we just, when we discussed this last time, I said, look, I'd buy a Tesla in a heartbeat if I, you know, great cars. I mean, I like the idea of being able to drive something as faster than a Ferrari yeah. and get yeah. all kind of tickets. If, I, but, if, if it was just for going to the grocery store and tooling around town, sure. But if I want to go and visit family back in Michigan, it's not going to do me any good because it's going to yes, have a will. bunch of time. Yes, oh, it will. I know. I, okay. You're new, I forgot your weekday job as a Tesla salesman. I am not a Tesla salesman. Elon's it's just the facts of the <clears throat> It's the facts of the facts. They have the super, the government supercharging stations don't work. Teslas okay, do. Okay, They're all okay, over the can, place. You can drop fifty grand to get a Tesla <clears throat> that won't be good for me, or you can drop a hundred grand for a Tesla that will allow me to drive to Michigan. Okay, I, or but, you can hook up with Bob Menendez and take a private plane. You know, you try paying for gas or even an electric charging station with a brick of gold. Nobody's going to be able to uh, that, That's true, too. Nobody, Nobody's yeah, going to make change for that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So, but then, okay, so let's, so we got that. We have, and now Biden's going to go to Michigan, and he is going to apparently walk the picket line with some of these guys. <laughs> I, I, okay. Will he know where he's at? I'm sure you saw the event that he went the other day. He went yes, the day before yesterday. He went out to the uh, Hispanic, Hispanic uh, congressional, congressional Hispanic caucus. Yeah, yeah, the gala. Democrats and love he, segregation, man. They they've never changed their objectives, just their tactics. Exactly, but I just love it. So he's at the Hispanic congressional gala, and he opens up and he says how proud he's he is to be at the black. <laughs> the, the Black Caucus Gala. Look, at Joe's age, anybody who's off-white is just a minority. That's, that's what I said. That's what I said. I mean, all he had to say, look, don't get mad at me. Y'all look alike. You yeah, all look alike. I've been saying it my whole career. All of you, all of you people. And you I guys, still don't want my kids going to those jungle schools. You guys like barbecue, too. Don't pretend you don't. I, just, I, <laughs> I swear to God, he he really is a parent. And then he goes there. And, of course, it's an, arm, an audience of barking seals who are really bought into the uh, identity politics. And he, he admits, I have instructed my administration to basically let in everybody we can at the southern border. So come one, come all in the world's dumbest game of Red Rover. He's invited the whole world over. And we're going to give them work permits. We're going to speed this through. We're gonna do, and they're all clapping. And it's like the people being screwed over by this are not college grad, wealthy college graduates. 
they're the high school dropouts, the high school graduates, the uh, unskilled labor. Because now suddenly there's millions more, going to be millions, where you start off with the 400,000 Venezuelans and you build from there. Millions more uh, people competing for the jobs. Well, if you have, you know, a million new people competing for jobs, guess what's not going to happen? They don't, the employers don't have to offer more to attract people to do those jobs. It was not that long ago when I'd go to uh, visit family in northern Michigan. You'd see the signs, hey, McDonald's starting wages, $18 an hour. You'll get paid in cash the next day, benefits. This that They were desperately trying to attract people. I, hell, I was on vacation. I was tempted to pull a week at work in the fryer at McDonald's because <laughs> I got paid for the whole damn thing. And, you know, you sit there. Now those signs are going away. Why? Because there's a whole bunch more people, and maybe the people – who lived in Traverse City can't afford to live on 18 bucks an hour or whatever. Maybe their kids are spoiled and they don't have to work, but those jobs are going away because now suddenly there's somebody who will do it for 10. Somebody will do it for 12. Yep. And this is all, in fact, there were stories in New York that even before these work visas were granted, that some of the people that had just come over were, were locking in like three grand a week by hustling. Which, by the way, says something to me that is very uncomfortable to talk about. <clears throat> but I'll talk about it anyway. So for years and years, we keep hearing from certain elements of the community <laughs> that we can't find jobs. There are no jobs here. Wah, 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 wah. How is it? that you can be in this country, you can be born and raised in America, go to school in America, well, there's an answer to that question. All you got to do is look at Baltimore, which is once again in the news. Go to school in America, raised, born and raised here in America, and then you stand out, and you stand out with your little BLM uh, flag. By the way, they're trying to raise some more dough because I guess they need more mansions. Property um, taxes are every year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you stand out and you say, you know, America's oppressive, America's this, that, and the other, and by the way, let's tear down these statues of George Washington and Thomas Jefferson because they were enslavers, and then you say, we can't find work. There's no work. You get some immigrants over here, they're not here two weeks, and they're knocking out $3,000, you know, $3,000 a week by hustling. How is that? How does that work? How does that how does that make sense to anybody that still says that America is there are no opportunities here in America? We have made the social safety net, which is supposed to save us all from becoming the flying Willendas into a hammock, which, yeah, there's a flying Willendas reference there that you and maybe two other people in all of New York got. But it is. And see, you know, and I drop the, the old school references sometimes too, James. Uh, you have is now the social safety net is a hammock. It's very comfy. It's a nice breezy day. It's always a breezy. Now, it's not the life of luxury. You're not going to be able to live like a Kardashian, but people can become conditioned to just about anything. And if somebody offered most people listening, myself included, probably enough money to maintain our current lifestyle. And not have to work? In, in perpetuity without having to work. Yep. yep. Who wouldn't take yep. that deal? Or who wouldn't at least be tempted by it? Now, there are some people who, you know, I'm listening to uh, Walter Isaacson's book on Steve Jobs right now. He wouldn't be able to do that. He'd go crazy. But 
most people would go, you mean I don't have, all right, well, hell yeah, bring it on. There's some people right. that, you know, you take away everything from them and they'll end up being a millionaire inside of a month again because they just had that drive, but most people don't. Most people go, uh, you work to live. You don't live to work. So I'll I'll take your deal. Well, if you're dealing with people in the social safety net programs, you're not you don't have to maintain a lifestyle of a Kardashian for them. You say, mm. All right, you've got subsidized housing. Here's uh, food assistance. Here's a little walking around money. What's By the way, food stamps all time high. When was the last time we saw that uh, under Barack Obama? Now here we are with Joe Biden. Food stamps again at an all time high. You can't get out of. It used to be sixty bucks. You can't get out of the grocery store for less than a hundred bucks now. If you're trying to do like a meal and then go, oh, while I'm here, I'll grab some of this. Forget it. Unless you're By just the way, bricks of tofu, maybe like you do, but like normal people can't. Tofu is good. Streams, are, depending on how you cook it. Streams of, stream of consciousness. You just mentioned. You know, there's some new food coming out. It's in the UK right now, but it's. Uh, but one of these days it'll be here. Have you heard about it? It's like, do you like? Do you like salmon? I do. Okay, there's a new salmon that's on the market right now. Is it a new it's salmon or is it a bunch of bugs painted orange? It is being printed from 3D printers. It. What are you, Nick? Is no, hey, what, look, what's hey, your problem, I, Nick? I, I, I this is new technology. Everybody else to eat it. I encourage everybody else to eat it. That would put downward market forces on the price of salmon for me and Nick and people who like to eat real food. It looks like salmon. It has the same color as salmon. Supposedly, it has the same texture as salmon. And it is. Um, Can you choke to death on a bone? Does it print up a random bone every once in a while? I don't know. Hmm. You're talking about boner, uh, boners? I don't know. No, you talk about gutter mind. Fish I didn't. Boners. That's not something I heard today. So anyway, it's in the it's in the it's being introduced in high end restaurants, not 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 Why? fast food like joints. The, the high end restaurants in good Europe for you. The fat in salmon is good, and for they you. have imitation fat in this salmon too. It has omega threes in it and stuff real, like real, real fat. Like the only thing I could see is uh, look, some salmon. Somebody along the way dumped a bunch of mercury in the bay, and the salmon mm. for I guess they it seems to be more prevalent with salmon than any other kind of fish. They. Uh, Look at that shiny object and go, that liquid metal looks delicious. And they eat it. They get, <laughs> they get mercury in them, allegedly. But I'm not, no, no, I'm not. Well, this will, save, this will save the fish. The fish don't have to be killed in order for you to enjoy the taste of it. Okay, I, my concern about the fish isn't their individual lives. Call me heartless. My concern about heartless. the fish is, is their survival of the species. Now, if there's overfishing going on. And realistically, if you want, let's face it, look around, Americans. We're not in mass eating a high fish diet. We're not. We're eating a high chocolate chip I diet. don't know. We're not eating a high chocolate chip I mean, I chip watch those shows. Thing. I don't eat this stuff, but I watch those I shows anyway, like Deadliest Catch and all that stuff. I don't know how people eat that stuff. This. If you want to save the fish, Asia is your market. You've oh. got to convince Asia. They eat fish way more than we do. And uh, they prepare it way better than we do. So if you can okay, another them on it, then great. And then I'll keep the real deal over here. Okay, another outrage has emerged. We're not going to talk about when we get back from the break, which we're going to. We'll talk about the government shutdown and all that stuff. But there is another outrage that has emerged overnight. I don't know whether you're aware of it. 
Amazon Prime has announced that they are going to start putting ads in their movies. If you have an Amazon, if you have an Amazon Prime, and you've been watching the Amazon Prime movies, they're going to start placing ads in the movies now. now they're place if, it at the start of the movie or in the middle? I don't know. They're going to put the ads in the movies, but. If you want to enjoy an ad-free experience while watching Amazon Prime movies, you have to pay $3 more, and then you can watch it without ads. Look, Jeff Bezos' fiancé, it it, it ain't cheap to look that cheap. (laughs) What did Dolly Parton say? It costs a lot of money to look this cheap. Just saying, his first wife was way better looking. Come on, man. I, huh, huh. we got to take a break. Derek Hunter, is, if you, if you, if, if you want to join I'm in. Wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. Google Sanchez. 800. Like hair and boobs. And you're like, where is there a person in there somewhere? <laughs> oh, yes. That's the whispers taking us in, ladies and gentlemen. And let's see what we have here. Walter and uh, Wallace Scott. They're the twins in the whispers. Today's their birthday. The whispers had a string of hits. This is the one that's best known. Anyway, the beat does go on here at WABC Talk Radio 77. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Derek Hunter is here. We're coming back. Do not dare go away. Have your first cup of coffee and your printed salmon sandwich or something. 800-848-WABC. Coming right back. Crime running rampant in New York. You need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYC. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza is in your ears. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. W-A-B-C. Bob Marley and the Whalers bring us back. A sad day in music history. Bob Marley collapsed on stage during a concert at the Stanley Theater in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on this day in 1980. Prior to that, he was in New York City and had collapsed in uh, Central Park while jogging. That performance in Pittsburgh was his last ever. 
Last time he appeared on stage. Following May, Bob Marley succumbed to cancer. The music lives on. And will always live on. Bob Marley on WABC Talk Radio 77. Derek, do not, I'm just warning you. Don't make any disparaging remarks about Bob Marley. I'm just telling you right now. Thinking to myself, please, James, don't ask me my opinion on reggae. I'm not going to ask you. Don't volunteer. Good, good, because I don't want to have to point out. No, all right, never mind. You don't want to have to point out what? There are like three songs in reggae, and they just keep being. <laughs> just, it's like the same song over and over and over again. It's like ska. It's like slower ska. It's the same song. Like, didn't we just hear this song? Didn't we just hear this song? They jumped at a different point, but isn't this the same song? <laughs> I got an idea. Let's I'm... suck with steel drums. Hey, yeah, a whole new genre is <laughs> Derek, D-E-R-E-K, <laughs> Hunter, H-U-N-T-E-R. That is Derek on, Hunter. You get- <laughs> I'm used to Look, I, whenever I point out how much Bruce Springsteen sucks, how he is the most overrated It's Bruce Springsteen's birthday today. It, well, happy birthday to him. Is he counting money? He's probably just counting money and having you know sleeves ripped off of jean jackets so he can look like he's totally cool. But it, like it, it, you, you get the emails of people who go, he doesn't suck, and then you point out that every third song is about how Becky's dad doesn't like her new boyfriend, and but they're going to go for it anyway, even though the times are tough and the factory just shut down. They're going to meet not downtown. They're going to meet in the outskirts of town. Nobody apparently goes downtown. Everybody meets in the outskirts of town. Let's go meet by a field, which will be impossible. Which field? I don't know. Just a field rather than how about we meet at the McDonald's downtown, and then we'll get out of town. They're going for it. It's the same damn song. Bon Jovi does the same thing, except worse, if that's possible. But since Bruce is the pioneer, he's the Neil Armstrong of suck in music, he gets the <laughs> title of most overrated musician in history. <gasps> D-E-R-E-K, Hunter. <laughs> Here endeth the lesson. You're welcome. 1949, America. Bruce Springsteen, U.S. singer-songwriter, The Boss. Uh, born, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Born in the USA, of course, the most successful studio album. The guy sold more than 65 million albums during his, uh, time, and Derek says, of course, he, what did there's you just no, call him? There's no accounting, for, what did I call him? I don't know, the Neil Armstrong of Suck? Yeah, something. <laughs> I didn't pay attention. Okay, uh, talk to us, Derek, about this dress code business in the Senate. Yeah. This story has been... I, I, I'm i almost amused by it. You have John Fetterman trying to show up like looking like gangster rap John. Not trying. Okay. He's doing it. And he's not gangster okay, yeah, he, rappers dress better than, than this guy. This is Salvation Army. I slept in a bag of potato chips in my clothes guy. This is what Uncle Fester wears underneath the robe. <laughs> so, and then he was presiding over the Senate the other day. He He's got this. Open collar shirt. I've never seen it. And, and of course, Chuck U. Schumer said, okay, we're going to amend the dress code. So Rand Paul takes a picture in his bathrobe with bare feet. Of course, I'm sure he didn't go in the building that way. Susan Collins threatened to show up in a bikini. 
Yeah, that should change things right there. <laughs> no, look, if, if you just look at Fetterman, look at his body type, first of all, James. He looks like a pinhead, you know, from the old uh, Zippy the Pinhead things. He's got a pointy, bald head. He's got a small head. And then this bulbous, humpty, dumpty midsection thing is going on there. I don't know what the hell that is. And then he always shows off. If you're going to show off your legs, get calf implants, dude. I realize you lived off your parents till you're 41 years old, like just a pathetic human being, like the ultimate mistake. And uh, you know, take some of that parents' money and get some calf implants because you look like an, a hard-boiled egg with toothpicks sticking out the bottom of it. There's nothing natural about it. There's not. No wonder his when he's in the hospital, his wife goes, "Now's our chance to go to Canada. Let's get the hell out of here." <laughs> My God, Barry. No, I just, All right, look, so, the lowering of standards pisses me off. It really does, beyond anything. like You have to cater to this person. Now, there are two options. I've written about this. I wrote about this last Sunday, I think, in, uh, Sunday or Tuesday, I can't remember, at Town Hall. And the title of the piece, or maybe it was, no, it was, uh, Hey, Pennsylvania, You Suck was the title of it. Ooh, um, I love it. Because they do. But it was, if you're sitting there and you're watching this guy go through it and the democrats told us what he's perfectly fine he's perfect because they always say you're making fun of a disabled person you're making well wait a second during the campaign he told me he was perfectly fine so it can't be both either you're lying then or you're lying now which is it they never want to answer that question so uh, i just take the attitude of i don't give a damn and i'm going to tell you what i really think and if he's disabled then he shouldn't be in the Senate. He should be focusing on making sure that he can, I don't know, function as a human being and avoid future strokes because this type of stroke he had is one that, if not treated properly, tends to, the people tend to have more of them. And if he's perfectly fine, then he's dumber than we ever thought. And the people of Pennsylvania suck even harder than a Dyson. Whoa. On that happy note, we have to take a break, ladies and gentlemen. 800-848-WABC. I'm welcome to be told I'm wrong. But if they tell you he's perfectly fine and then he does, then he needs to be accommodated because he can't dress up because it gives him the sads or whatever, then maybe he's not totally fine. <laughs> gives him the uh, This is maybe for you, Derek. he can't uh, handle Derek. a zipper. Who knows? Maybe he's Ben Stiller and there's something about Mary and bits of him are getting caught in zippers and this is just the way to go. Then somebody should introduce him to the concept of underwear. I don't care. I'm not interested in lowering the bar for the dumbest person in the room. I won't change my vocabulary to reach stupid people. Uh, uh, dedicated to Derek Hunter, D-E-R-E-K, who thinks Bruce. that Bruce Springs... He is. It's science, James. <laughs> On WABC coming back, your call is going to be part of the program, too. So don't go away. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly. On 77 WABC. 1977 on this day, David Bowie released this one, Heroes. Co-written by Brian Eno. And it's also featuring Robert Fripp, the guitarist with King Crimson. I, I 
the one and only David Bowie here on WABC. Hey, Derek, I'm going to ask you about this. Did you hear about this? Um, well, we we talked briefly. Of, you, do you know what David Bowie's real name was? What is it? David Jones. He changed it to David Bowie because of the monkeys. Ah. True story. Derek knows some music history. I know lots of music history. It's true. It couldn't be David. He could have been David Jones because it was Davy Jones, but he didn't want to be associated or confused with the monkeys. Wise choice to go with Bowie. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Um, have you heard about this lawsuit? The United Auto Workers Union has filed against uh, Senator Tim Scott. No. Get this. United Auto Workers President Sean Fain has filed a complaint. It's not a lawsuit. It's a complaint with the National Labor Relations Board against Tim Scott. Viol he says that Tim Scott violated federal labor law. How did Tim Scott do that? Mm -hmm. Tim Scott was at a campaign appearance, and he was asked about the auto workers strike. In his answer, Tim Scott said, and I quote, I think Ronald Reagan gave us a great example when federal employees decided they were going to strike. He said, you strike, you're fired. Simple concept to me, to the extent that we can use that once again. Um, I have, my, my hand is up. The United yes. workers are not federal employees. Yes, I understand. Does Tim Scott? But the union boss that has now filed a complaint, says this is just another example of how the employer class abuses the working class in America. <laughs> yeah, because when you think of Tim Scott and his upbringing, you think nothing but pinky out tea sipping and uh, manservants brushing lint off your jackets at uh, dinner time. Mm, mm, mm. The National Labor Relations Act permits anyone to file a charge against an employee or a labor organization if they believe workers' rights have been violated. So apparently, by citing Ronald Reagan's firing of the PATCO guys, uh, the United Auto Workers believes that in the past six months, they say, Mr. Scott has interfered with, restrained, or coerced employees in the exercise of the rights guaranteed to them. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. He threatened employees with adverse consequences if they engage in protected, concerted activity by saying you st you strike, you're fired. So they filed a suit against Senator Tim Scott. You know, a complaint against Tim Scott. A complaint. The UAW should just come out and say, "All right, Tim Scott, fire us. Go ahead, find a way to do it. <laughs> Call him on it." I don't know if why Tim Scott would have answered the way he did. I don't know the full context of it, but um, it's, it's... I have some sympathy, by analogy. the way, for these union... I have some sympathy for these union guys. I grew up in a UAW household, James. It's not as though I'm, I'm unsympathetic to it. And they are being screwed over by the Democrats. It's just kind of funny that they... It's like somebody... I won't name names or point out anybody in particular, but let's just pretend somebody smokes constantly and won't quit right and then they get say emphysema they have difficulty walking up don't be wishing stairs. bad stuff on people and they complain about it. it's not wishing bad stuff on people it's at a certain point 
you tell somebody beating their head against a wall and complaining about having a headache, you say, hey, I've got an idea. Try stop hitting your head on the wall and see if that maybe has an impact on your headache. And if they don't, at a certain point, you got to kind of go, oh, well, I'm not even going to buy that person a helmet. Like, it, it, I, you do what you do, all right? All I can do is give you options. I'm not going to force you to do it. Let's take some telephone calls. Derek Hunter is here. Let's start with Bob in Connecticut. Bob, how are you? Welcome. You're on WABC. It's the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. How are you, Bob? Uh, well, my golden years have definitely turned to rust under the current administration. <laughs> but other than that, I wait all week for you and Derek. You, you guys make the week. Oh, man. Thank, thank you. you. But I would suggest you find you, you get a hobby on top of it because six days is too long to wait for this. For <laughs> Bob, I love it. Bob, what do you think? Let me just ask you a question about, do you think Derek was a little harsh with his criticism of uh, Bruce Springsteen? Oh, good God. No, not at all. See, thank look you. At, thank you. Look, look at the guy, what, he's, he's, put his all that land as a farm what's he growing out there uh pot i mean he, he's growing jean jackets look he he is the leading employer in the country of dudes who rip sleeves off of jean jackets so that the rich guy who wears sleeveless jean jackets can look like he's middle class so he does have that going for him it's not a growth industry but it oh. is an industry Everybody I know that has the sleeves off their jacket, on the back it said Hell's Angels. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> and they're not, rocking, they're not riding $150,000 custom Harley or whatever. It doesn't, doesn't have a, a garage full of them and can't take a helicopter from one end of their property to the other. Like, yeah. Derek, yeah. the last time you were on and I didn't take a call from Adam, he was highly annoyed. So I'm going to let's go to Mineola right now. Because Adam has been waiting to speak with you. Adam, you're on. Derek Hunter is here. Yeah. How are you, Adam? Good morning, Derek. Good hey, morning, Bruce Snurley. I can't uh, promise you I'll remember what I said that offended you, but uh, I, I'll probably still... No, he liked you it. because you agreed with him on something. Oh, okay. Oh, I, think I, I sure that. did. I sure I remember did. remember what it was. Um, me and Bo was talking about Mr. Melendez yesterday. Uh -huh. You know, um... You know, dude, Adam, you sound like you've had a hard night. I would you I get, get off at midnight. I get off at oh. midnight, yeah. Okay. But um you know, I don't want to hear that two tier justice system and you see Hunter Biden. Oh, here we go. No, I'm saying, like, you know, the Democrats are getting arrested too for crime, man. Let me just point out that what it took for a Democrat to get arrested is years and years and years of taking massive bribes. Okay? <laughs> years and years and years of taking envelopes full of cash and bricks of gold and all kinds of years of it. It wasn't just a you know, one-off thing or a disagreement over this, that, or the other thing or any a, a new law created. The law against taking bribes has been on the books for a long time. And he'd been you know nobody out there would go uh, 20 years 15 years ago 10 years ago you talk about bob menendez and you go no no he's salt of the earth no no better human being nobody even his family members weren't trying to pull that so it took forever and the desperate need for democrats to have 
something on their side of the scale so that they could say, see, we're not just going after Republicans. Like, okay, you, I mean, I guess they went after a Democrat, but come on, that's like waiting for Jeffrey Dahmer to finish his meal before you arrest him. Like, just <laughs> go, you, you get him when you get him. You don't go, we need, we need to throw somebody to the wolves or else they're going to be on to us because we just sentenced two 70-year-olds to 10 years in prison for blocking the entrance of an abortion clinic in a protest, whereas we just let somebody off for throwing a Molotov cocktail at police officers. Because Can I ask you, something. Can I, what took so long? You said, as Derek said, years and years. Do you know when they found all this stuff in his house, Adam? Do you know when they actually found the 13 gold bars the $566,000 in cash stuffed in envelopes and and the Mercedes-Benz uh, Class C sedan that allegedly he got in, in return for favor. Do you know when they found this stuff, Adam? I don't know, but I can tell you his wife. I mean, he's like a sucker, man. I mean, you know, she married a new lady. All of a sudden, he's doing, he just beat one case. Now he's going to do be a more of a bigger criminal now. Yeah, he They're beat one case in that an indication. And the people of New Jersey said, he's our guy. He's our guy. Okay, you know, Adam. Sopranos was supposed to be fiction. He, they found this stuff in Bob Menendez's house in June. Not in June 2023. They found all of this stuff in, they raided his house in June 2022. Why did it take them until this week, do you think, to say something's wrong here, Adam? The same reason why they did that to Trump, sir. They waited so long to get Trump, <laughs> sir. That's how the process goes, sir. <laughs> Oh boy, this guy. There, one of I want to put him in touch with my realtor because I have some oceanfront property in Arizona that I'm looking to unload, and I think I gave it to him at a price. <laughs> Do you know that Menendez, and I'm trying to get to the bottom of this part. Also, there's something about handing over some class, some documents or something to a foreign government, and I'm trying to get under the bottom of that. We know that about the the gold bars that was to a uh, New Jersey real estate developer he had a long standing with a New Jersey real estate developer uh who bribed a couple with gold bars and cash for a series of favors and then there's this thing of an insurance guy that I don't know how this goes it, it's it's he paid her fifteen the wife fifteen thousand dollars she bought the Mercedes, and then there's something with an unnamed Egyptian official, and in exchange for military aid, which sounds to me that one needs a lot more explanation. Yeah, there's a lot of we don't know yet, but I'll just tell you that I aspire to be in a position where somebody's dropping off gold bricks at the house. And I haven't heard very much about, do you remember all these charges of Menendez flying around? This was the last one. Oh, they're going to the Caribbean with the uh, underage girls? Yes. Oh, yeah. I remember that. 
It was uh, underage prostitutes in the Dominican Republic, if I remember correctly. Maybe okay, so this didn't have anything to do with the Epstein Pedo Island. This no, was a separate. No, this was a separate thing. Okay, got it. All right, hey Adam, is that it for the day? Uh, don't forget, uh, Trump was with Epstein also, so that's his buddy. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> So was Bill Gates. So was who else? Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton. Oh, that's right. Hey, hey, Adam, have you seen the, the have you ever seen the painting of Bill Clinton that was hanging in Epstein's New, New York, one of his New York houses or apartments? Bill Clinton in the blue dress and high heels. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. But Melinda's went to trial, sir. He went to trial and he was acquitted before, hung jury or whatever you want to call it. At least he had the balls to go to trial. Let's Epstein was? The... Epstein pleaded guilty in Florida to uh, immoral acts with underage girls. And he had to do like a year and a half of house arrest because he was rich. And then he was released came back to New York for the first time and was greeted by a whole bunch of the liberal intelligentsia on the island of Manhattan at a nice couple of dinners at his house. Because who doesn't want to welcome back a pedophile to the neighborhood? George Stephanopoulos was there. And, uh, yeah, it was lovely. I believe the Clintons came around. All these people after 2011 who knew what he pleaded guilty to, not convicted of, pleaded, I was convicted, but I was wrongly convicted. It is always an option. When you plead guilty... It's kind of like, a, yeah, you did it. Uh, they were still, he was still a Democrat donor in, in good standing. It wasn't until yeah. people, people got really sick of it and more women came forward and said he was molesting me when I was a child. Then suddenly they started to distance themselves from him. And then eventually, of course, Hillary sent out the hit squad. Oops. Got to go to a break here. WABC Talk Radio 77. Was that Saturday right? morning. Yes, you said that aloud. <laughs> w oops. W we totally committed suicide. <laughs> totally. Yaus. Suicide. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm WABC. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Too many broken hearts have fallen in the river. Yes. Seems like a medical problem. <laughs> Don't drink the water in that city. Communication is the problem to Oh yeah. Ten CC W A B C Talk Radio seventy seven. Coming back right after this. Like walking in the rain and the snow. is in your ears. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. So I asked Nick not to play a certain artist because I would lose my mind if Derek Hunter ranted and went negative on him. I said, you know what, let's play some Ray Charles because I just want to hear if Derek Hunter is going to bash Ray Charles. Whose birthday is today? The heavenly birthday of Ray Charles, born in 1930. Regarded as one of the most iconic and influential singers in history. 
in history. Often referred to by his contemporaries as the genius. Happy birthday to Ray Charles. Derek. What do you have negative to say about Ray Charles? Nothing. I have nothing but respect for him and all of his wives. (laughs) (laughs) And all of his children with all those different women and whatever. Moral moral paradigm. Look, he's a great musician. Enjoy him. But I wouldn't want him to date my sister. Be honest. Would you want him to date your sister? Do you like your daughter comes home? Dad, I met somebody. Who is it? Oh, it's Ray Charles. Oh, he's the uh, the male Elizabeth Taylor, right? Isn't he? <laughs> Just saying. Barry in Pennsylvania, you're on WABC <laughs> with Derek. Am I wrong? James... <laughs> oh my god, Barry, you're up. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sorry, James. I. Uh, I can't stop laughing at Derek's last comment, but, uh, I will say this, uh, he's absolutely correct. I'm in Pennsylvania, I'm a Republican, and all of us are dumb in this state. You know, uh, normally, look, I get Dr. Who, I wouldn't want Dr. Oz to be my senator. I wouldn't want Dr. Oz to be my podiatrist. I wouldn't, not in a, I wouldn't want him to take a, a file to a bunion. Nothing. But against Zippy the Pinhead Uncle Fester, I can't, I, like, I'm going to vote for the guy who can't do the job. Like, that'll show him. It's like punching or shooting yourself in the foot after you put your foot in your mouth. Like, you, you, who are you punishing here? I'll show that Dr. Oz. Well, I guess you'll just have to go back to one of his mansions in New Jersey, near Bruce Springsteen, probably. And uh, be fine, but you've got six years with Frankenstein's monster running around burning the village. Do you really, who's going to work with him? How do you work with somebody you can't communicate with? Ant, you can't. He can't put two sentences together. He before his stroke, he wasn't a rocket scientist, in my no. opinion. I don't care if he went to Harvard. Uh, he, I mean, there's, you know, just there are a lot of people Harvard, educated beyond their intelligence. And I don't thank think you. Thank you very much. But listen, you know, we had these we had the Republican Party here. I think they're more interested in uh, going to the state convention or the national convention than actually picking candidates connect that actually will. Uh, look, I live just south of you guys in Maryland and the Republican Party. Now there's new leadership. It's Congressman Andy Harris's wife and I have. Uh, higher expectations, but honestly, there's nowhere to go but up. The state party was all, it was just a, a peeing contest. It was a, it was all about themselves. They sort of threw their hands up and didn't bother trying anything. And it was all about positioning themselves for contracts and consulting. And and it's just a a mess. It was a waste of time. And that's why you end up with uh, the most popular quote unquote Republican governor in the country. And a majority of Democrats so large in the state legislature that they could override any vetoes. Like, why would you elect a Republican governor and then take all the power away from him in the legislature? Well, because the party put up horrible candidates. It was all, this is my friend. Let's do this. Let's do that. It, was the other. it wasn't about winning. It was about uh, 
networking. It was about positioning yourself for the future. They're only in session for 90 days, so that leaves a lot of time to screw around and, and make money other ways. Pennsylvania seems the same way. It's cronyism. The left is about the cause. The right is about, I don't know, sometimes. I really don't know. Uh, I think wow. Go ahead, Barry. What do you think it's about in Pennsylvania? I... I, I I uh, I live in north of Philadelphia, Northampton County, and uh, I think they're more interested in uh, pretty much what Derek says: uh, cronyism, a good old boys' club. Let's go to the national convention, let's party, and let's uh, put these candidates up there. We picked a horrible, horrible slate of uh, state and federal positions this past time, but. We have two guys we got enamored with Oz. He came in and he says, I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor. Let me take your, let me take your blood pressure to see how you feel about this state and this country. Who gives a, you know what? Mm. Uh, but <laughs> listen, listen, guys, we, we parachute in Oz or he parachutes in and you got McCormick who parachutes in and oh my God, McCormick's just announced that he's going to run for Senate again. And so I don't know if the party will get behind him or not. And McCormick says, well, you know, I, I lived in Connecticut because my, my uh, daughter was there, my divorce, whatever it is. Uh, but, uh, you know, I want to be the senator in Pennsylvania. And you got to understand, I want to be near my daughter when she was going through high school, blah, 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 blah. And I said, yeah, I would understand that if I was divorced and I wanted to be near my kids. But going back to the whole Fetterman thing, we looked at Oz, and Oz makes, you know, uh, Oz, and his, he talks about, oh, my wife and I, we went to the store, and we were looking at vegetables for crudite. Mm-hmm. Well, 93% of people in Pennsylvania, I'm, I'm just picking a number out of the air, don't even know what a crudite is. Oh, we call that a vegetable tray here in Pennsylvania. I understand that, but this, uh, how dumb are people who are like, he used a word I don't understand. I'm not going to vote for him. Fetterman can't use words. But somehow a guy who used the word, you can't. Here, let me add one more word to your vocabulary. Here's an arrow for your quiver. It'll probably never come in handy because you'll just call it a vegetable tray. I call it a vegetable tray. But okay. Instead, Fetterman's campaign put out tweet after tweet after tweet. Crudite, crudite, crudite. Could John spell crudite? No. Oops. So, and they go, well, I'm going to vote for the guy who's over there sitting there soiling himself. That's who I think should be our next senator because the other guy used a French word for vegetable tray. Again, it's beating your head against the wall, complaining about a headache, and somebody says, maybe stop. And if you don't, I don't know what to tell you. Derek, where can people find you? Thanks for the call, Barry. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. It's uh, the saucy podcast there, or just Derek Hunter Podcast for the free podcast uh, daily and Town Hall four days a week and The Hill one day a week. Derek Hunter, ladies and gentlemen, on WABC with James Golden, Buster Nerdy. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Hour number duo coming up. If you're on hold, stay on hold. We're going to grab some calls as well. We have so much news to discuss later on today. Of course, Princess Die will join us. Keep it right here. Don't go away. News coming up with James Flippin on WABC News. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly on 
77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome to our number duo of our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. If you're on hold, stay on hold. We're going to grab phone calls this hour. Also this hour, we will be speaking with the actor, Kevin Sorbo. will be joining us a little bit later. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Princess Di is coming up. I cannot wait. I have questions for Her Majesty. Her Majesty has started a trend. It is a disturbing trend. Ted Cruz joined it the other day. So I will speak with Her Majesty Princess Di. Right now, for our extended look at WABC News, we have with us James Flippin. James, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Good. How you doing this morning? I'm great. Listen, James, um, this Menendez thing, how is this playing out throughout New Jersey? Yeah, so, I mean, it's pretty crazy. Um, I am a New Jersey resident, born and raised, so watching it with, you know, extra attention in addition to the fact that it's just such a big news story. But when I first started working in news, it would have been, you know, uh, five, six, seven years ago, whatever it was. That was when Menendez was first facing trial on uh i think those were also federal charges out of new jersey i believe oh yes they were it was yes it was a federal charge yeah federal charges right and that was connected to that eye doctor down in south florida who um, salomon melgen right accused of of being i think it was either medicaid or medicare fraud and all this kind of stuff and you know menendez was allegedly connected to all that now it's not so much that he was acquitted in that case it was a, a mistrial a hung jury so it was always kind of like an unresolved situation with Menendez. You figured, okay, maybe something happened there. Maybe it didn't. And then this came out of kind of nowhere. In essence, they heard we heard on Thursday um, that he was, you know, that the grand jury was looking into this whole situation. And then, boom, on Friday, he is indicted. So, yeah, it's a pretty wild story when you think about it with, like, you know, luxury cars and gold bars i mean i was asking like we're in the newsroom we're talking what do you where do you take gold bars like do you just show up to the bank and say hey i want to turn this into cash or something you know i mean you'd have to go i guess to the diamond district and try to sell those gold bars of course you know our own curtis lee i was saying oh they've got no problem doing that at the diamond district they'll take your gold bars so you know that that's uh just an ongoing situation where menendez says he won't resign governor murphy has called for that and I guess about a half a dozen New Jersey politicians have also said he should resign. Murphy could appoint a replacement if, you know, Menendez decided to step down. So it's not like the whole, you know, Democrat-Republican balance thing would really be in question if, in fact, Menendez did design to decide to step down. Well, you know, Menendez has played the race card already. I saw that. Well, uh, did he? I mean, I, I saw where he said yes, it was a smear here, campaign. Here's the quote. I have the quote. It's not lost on me how quickly some are rushing to judge a Latino and push him out of his seat. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. a Cuban-American, I believe, um, was once the mayor of Union City. Kind of a, you know, American success story in many ways. He, he grew up in a tenement house, uh, you know, was a mayor, then a congressman, eventually made it to Senate, uh, you know, head of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. He stepped down from that position yesterday. Yes. So, uh, yeah, and there, as you said, there is a, there's a growing list of, of uh, uh, there's a huge list. In fact, we have it over to Daily B yesterday. Uh, there's a huge list of Democrats that are now calling on him to step down. But he said he's not going anywhere. And I kind of like that. Just stay right where you are and stay in the spotlight, please. Uh, what can you tell us about, uh, James, this weather 
uh, storm that is uh, this Ophelia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's what's up? Close to landfall in North Carolina right now. National Hurricane Center uh, says it's about 25 miles south of Cape Lookout, if you're familiar with North Carolina, and sustained winds of 70 miles per hour. So it's really not that far shy of a hurricane itself. Um, you know, tropical storms can be plenty devastating. But, yeah, it's expected to move along the coast, Delaware border, maybe parts of Virginia today, and uh, certainly eastern Maryland and Delaware. Heavy winds, uh, strong winds, I should say, heavy rain. And for our area here in the tri-state, rain is expected to be heavy at times, I think especially tomorrow, if you figure the the track of that storm kind of making its way into the area on Sunday. So maybe the, the heaviest rain uh, yeah, potentially right when the Jets are hosting the Patriots there at MetLife. I don't know. But um, they do say heavy heavy rain at times. And, you know, definitely some wind concerns. I know South Jersey yesterday, the winds were starting to pick up. And then in those low-lying areas, watch out for flooding for sure. Wow. So what else is going on in your world of news there, James? Well, how about this? I mean, well, first of all, there is kind of a big story that's circling. Um, on Thursday, Bo, we had that deadly uh, bus crash up in Orange yes. County. Yes terrible because yes. you know, they, they were uh carrying high school kids the high school marching band at a farming from farmingdale yeah long island yep they were heading to band camp in pennsylvania and now the ntsb is investigating you know it sounds like maybe um the bus driver may be somebody that they look at for this investigation i mean obviously they'll always check everything out with any kind of investigation like this but i don't know i, I was reading a report just before going on here that the bus driver has a quote unacceptable rating from the DOT, which I don't really even know 100% what that means. Try to track down more information on that. But you would think if somebody's unacceptable, they shouldn't be behind the wheel. Um, uh, yes. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, that's a terrible situation. And, you know, the memorial is growing out on Long Island because, you know, obviously it's such a big impact emotionally for these high school kids. Not only did they lose a teacher, one retired teacher who was working as a chaperone, and then the marching band's director also died. And then there's a bunch of kids that are still in the hospital here with this. So we're, we're checking on that, you know, still following the early pre- preliminary stages of that investigation. But what about this? This is a really wild story out of Queens where a guy that basically led cops on a chase, allegedly, a high-speed chase, was arrested. He crashed his car and then was arrested and was put in the holding cell at the 103 precinct. And that's when this guy, uh, his name's Lenny Rodriguez Cruz, allegedly started acting up. And a NYPD sergeant went in to check on this guy in the holding cell, and Rodriguez Cruz allegedly bit the cop's finger and severed the tip of it. So what? that sergeant later posted Wait, whoa, whoa, a photo. Whoa, 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 back up. Run, yeah. run that by me one more time. Yeah. So this He's guy, in the holding cell. Lenny Rodriguez Cruz picked up for allegedly DUI and getting into a crash. And then he's being, hold, uh, he's being held in the holding cell. The NYPD sergeant goes to check on this guy because he's acting up somehow. That's what I'm reading here in the reports, acting up. So he's, he's getting a little crazy in the holding cell. The, the sergeant goes in there to try to calm him down, subdue him. I don't know what. And Rodriguez Cruz allegedly bit off the cop's fingertip oh my and the sergeant later posted a photo on social media of his hand minus one fingertip oh yeah so additional charges and in addition to the dwi obviously bo um intent to cause disfigurement or dismemberment and that is just horrible and let me just wrap up with one thing with, with you this story i cannot get it out of my brain i cannot get it out of my mind it broke on the Saturday. Uh, it broke two, when we were here two Saturdays ago. 
And that's the case of the one-year-old boy. You said the uh, you said on your uh, your report um, that the uh, funeral is today, I believe. Yeah. Well, they, yes, uh, they're they're laying him to rest today, and I believe that's along with funeral services. That's in Yonkers. Uh, you know, the more I've learned about this case, it's just how in the world, how in the world does anybody think it's a good idea to have one of the most lethal drugs in history that can kill you if it's airborne, that can kill you if if you get it on you? How does anyone in the world think it's a good idea? The, the police this week found a stash of it underneath the floorboards. And it's underneath, and I'm not, I wasn't clear from the report whether it was underneath the floorboards where these kids were, were, had mats and were sleeping, but it doesn't make a difference. The kids are in there. They're walking. They have this underneath the floorboards. We still don't know what was taken out of the place. How, I, I am yeah. beside myself no, I, with I totally anger understand. and with fury I, I, yeah, over what I, these people did. I think there's a lot of people that look at it the same way. I mean, it's just really, honestly, I, I can't think of another word to, to put towards it except sociopathic. Because, I mean, you've got little kids there. You're, you're charged with you know caring for them. They're sleeping. They're, they're playing, all this kind of stuff. And they've got these devices for making pills, I guess, um, out of the fentanyl and stuff. And, you know, clearly trying to make... Uh, money off the drug trade doing that but at the same time they've got this really just you know awful looking daycare and and the, the saddest part about it Bo in addition to obviously the fact that a kid lost his life and that others were sickened is just how desperate some of these parents must be to be willing to you know leave yes. their kids with somebody in an apartment somewhere because the daycare is just so expensive and because they have to work Right. I mean, look, I'm, I am not one of these people, and, and don't get me wrong, folks. I'm not here saying, oh, we need government daycare, we need this, that, and the other. But these are real conditions that people have to face, which is why you would think that people that say, okay, we are opening up a daycare, and the city sent inspectors over there, and it went through a process. You would think that these people would be vetted. Now, Curtis told me, that both of these, that, that, um, at least the woman and one other in there are here illegally. And I, I kept looking to see whether that was the case. And Curtis said that it was, that they are illegally here from the Dominican Republic, mm. well, which know, just adds another layer on this. And of course, you know, being here in the newsroom all week, we heard, uh, plenty from Curtis about that. I did reach out to NYPD. I contacted their information bureau and asked, uh, what the immigration status is of those suspects, but I never got word back on that. I can't get an answer. Amazing. I didn't get an answer. Um, but, you know, Bo, really quickly, I just wanted to leave with a couple nicer notes, if we could. Just uh, the fact Please. that today there is uh, the Global Citizen Festival in Central Park, playing some music there, where the Red Hot Chili Peppers are scheduled to play, and Lauren Hill of Newark, New Jersey. She's Whoa! scheduled to play. Um, and then you mentioned uh, Bob Marley. Well, I had to say something. I wanted to ask you something about Bob Marley, but it's also Bruce Springsteen's birthday today as a New Jersey yeah, resident. Yeah, we talked about that. I'm contractually De obligated to mention that since I'm from New Jersey. Okay. Yeah, Derek already ragged Bruce Springsteen for the day. That's okay. That's so, all right. I'm not like a big Bruce guy. I just have to mention that on a news report you since I'm from it. New Jersey. And then I wanted to ask you, Bob Marley, is it true that the, the cancer story where I always heard that he, you know, there was something with his toe but as a Rastafarian, he couldn't amputate, that, that that was against his religion to do that. Is there any truth to that, or is that like a, an apocryphal story? I don't know. What I have heard over the years is that when he was in treatment, there was an issue with transfusions. 
and that he did not take uh, the transfusions. Uh, but I don't know that being a Rasta would permit that. Okay. W- wouldn't permit that either. There was so much going on back then. And by the way, I had some friends. I have a picture of Bob Marley that's unpublished because one of my friends was uh, his photographer for a while and, and did some a great photography work with him. Um, I don't know what the answer to those questions are. There's so much mystery that is still, because they kept it really private while he was going through it. I understand, too, at one point they had to shave off his locks, or he had shaved off his locks, which mm. was, I don't know. It's just, it, 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 but from the time that it was announced that he had cancer, it was less than a year later that he passed away. And it was just, it was just whirlwind. So mm. it was, how tragic. Yeah. Well, look, Bo, as a co-worker and as just a big fan of talk radio, an absolute honor to do this with Snurdly today. So thank you very much for, for having me on. Thank you. I appreciate that. Wow, James, it's my pleasure to be here with you. I always love these extended chats with the news because we, we never get enough of you. And news junkies like me like to hear more. So yeah, thank you, there's James. There's always enough stories to talk about, that's for sure. Thank you so much. We'll Thanks. check in with you later. You James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, here with you on WABC. Coming back, that's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We will be back. Remember, actor Kevin Sorbo, Sorbo coming up on WABC. Kevin's got a new book out. We're going to talk about that with him. And, of course, our very own Princess Di, who has started something that's continuing, and she has lured big names into it. A big name. I just can't believe he fell for it, but he did. Anyway, on this day, also in music history, Robbie McIntosh, founding member of the Average White Band, died of a heroin overdose out in Hollywood. He thought he was sniffing coke, and it was pure heroin. That didn't end well. Pick up the pieces. Yeah. Nominated for a Grammy Award in 1975. Coming back with the Saturday morning radio extravaganza right after this. Now, here's the soul of excellence. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Nick to hold on to this bumper until Derek was gone because if Derek said anything about this, I would have a cow. Born on this day in 1926, one of America's treasures, John Coltrane, John William Coltrane. Known by Train. Born in Hamlet, North Carolina. Died in July of 67 in Huntington, New York, where he lived. Studied clarinet, alto saxophone. Switched over to tenor later on. Also was a veteran. Served in the Navy. Many of you that know Coltrane's life know he struggled for a while with drugs and alcohol when he first joined Miles Davis. In the 50s, cleaned himself up. He would rejoin Miles Davis later on. And then after the second stint with Miles Davis, he went on his own. And what happened was 
an exploration of music like few other artists in history. Anybody that knows and appreciates the musicianship, this song is called Giant Steps. There are so many versions of this song. This is one of the iconic songs in jazz. Because I don't want to get technical about it. Musicians can tell you why. But his playing is unlike anybody else. And John Coltrane is one of these. If you hear him and you are a trained fan, he has a voice of his own. You hear him, the moment you hear it, you know it's him. And there are a few others that have it. Coleman Hawkins is another that has it like that. You listen to Coleman Hawkins, the minute you hear him, you know, oh, that's Coleman Hawkins. Anyway, John Coltrane, birthday today. I could go on and on about John Coltrane. I won't. Also, you know whose birthday today? We got Ray Charles, got John Coltrane, and Julio Iglesias' birthday is today, too. We'll maybe play some Julio later on for you. What a day on WABC. I want to get to the phones because I want to get as many calls in as possible, and uh, we will get those. And let us go to uh, Sal in Hackensack on WABC. How are you, Sal? I'm great. Good morning, James. How are you? Um, Just fine, thank it, you. It's amazing as we look at this inflation, if you'll think back when it first started, Washington, the White House, and all the Democrats were using the term transitional. i tell you, it's a long transition. Yeah, and you know, also when you look back, um, one of the things that has disturbed me, and I don't want to put people to sleep, but I am telling you, we are at a point in this nation with the na- with the national debt. I know, I know. Oh, there they go with the debt stuff again. Look, folks, $33 trillion in debt. And right now, right now, we got all this talk about a government shutdown. And what is the, the it's so that they can spend more money. You have Republicans like this guy Lawler in New York who is castigating, castigating Republicans, the so-called hard right, the extreme right, the ultra right. All these people like Chip Roy and all the others are doing, all they're trying to say is, look, folks, we are building a house on bull crap. The money isn't really here. This is fake. They are trying to actually bring some sanity into the financial picture of the United States of America. They are opposed by their own party. They are opposed by Democrats, of course, who want to continue this, re- this, this unrelenting spending that is placing this... Co- now, I've been hearing, too, since I was a kid. I know many of you, we're just passing the buck to our children. Our children's future is at stake. Anybody keeps waiting for it. Well, you've grown up now. The kids are here. Their future doesn't look at stake. Look, this cannot end well. This is no way to run a government. It is fiscally irresponsible. The interest payments alone on this $33 trillion are sapping resources. There is no plan to stop the growth. But people get bored, don't want to hear anything about the debt. This is a ticking financial time bomb. 
You can believe it or not. It is ticking. And those of us that are out here that understand this are trying to raise the warning flag. Folks, this is not sustainable. Now, we had a caller that dropped off that wanted to remind everybody that Monday was Gold Star Monday. If he calls back, I want to move him up because I want to talk. I want him to get his piece and talk about this, too, because this is important. Let's talk right now. We're going to go to some other callers, but I want to just say something first about this Menendez case. This Menendez case is a window in to a question that many of you ask. How do you go to Washington barely able to pay your mortgage in some cases, unless, of course, you're one of the wealthy elites, and then come out with multi-millions? We're getting a quick window to see how that is possible with the Menendez case. Keith in Manhattan, thank you for waiting. You're up next. Keith thank in you, Manhattan. Thank, you. thank mm-hmm. you so much. Thank you so much. Um, I love your show. I discovered it when I discovered the new WABC about, what, nine months ago. Love Curtis, too. I mentioned you uh, to him when I uh, had a chance to talk to him last week on the radio. And I have a real few, uh, um, I think the immigration thing, I'm not going to talk politics, mostly music, but um, the whole immigration thing, I think is just going to destroy our country one way or the other. That's all I'll say about that. Um, And I'm so saddened by it. I can't believe my fellow Americans are doing this. Uh, I I never, I was a Democrat all my life years ago, and I can't believe my party is doing this and the Justice Department and everything else. Um, I loved the catalyst for the call this morning was I loved your guest, uh, Derek. I don't even know who he is, so I got to Google him. He's so funny. Oh, yes, he is. Derek Hunter, he is an amazing columnist. He's an author. He's a, a broadcaster at times, and he's a, a great writer and a great friend. He's been a, a longtime friend. And Derek is, you know, his background is a blue-collar background. You heard him say he grew up in a UAW household. He did. But Derek has worked more jobs than almost anybody I know. He's worked as a roofer. He, the way that he, one day I'll get him to talk about how he got into politics because it's an amazing story. And it's just like, he, he is what we used to call a self-made man. And one of the things I love about him is that he right now is enjoying the success of that, but he's not a guy that has forgotten his roots and forgotten where he came from. And so I just enjoy speaking with him. Keith, so what else is on your mind this morning? Yeah, I can't wait to learn more about him. And did you, is he on every Saturday morning? He comes on. It started off that he would call in the show once in a while, and it just okay. morphed into, yeah, it just morphed into us talking every Saturday during the first hour. Okay. I loved what he said about Bruce. I agree with him completely. Um, and um, and uh, also, well, I'll, I'll go to the other quick thing. Last week you mentioned um, Billy Preston, yep. and I couldn't get through that day to you. But I'm 68 years old, about 69, going on 60, um, almost 69, and I came to New York from the Midwest to get into film after I graduated film school and college. And the day, a couple of nights before I left, I had to visit my father in Chicago, 
Uh, I was in Chicago before I drove to New York. My, my career worked out pretty well, and I got to produce a lot of music programs and interviews. And I got to interview Ray Charles in his studio in L.A. That was a highlight. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and they invited me to his birthday at the Beverly Hills Hotel. They had a private thing with about 100 people, and he had to, they forced him to play the piano for a couple of songs. But like Derek said, he had a blonde on each arm. I couldn't believe it. But um, nice. real quickly, I'll finish. I'll finish now. Um, uh, Billy Preston, when I, I was in Evanston one night before I was going to New York in 1976 to find it. And I walked into a bar. Billy Preston was in a playing in a dirt bar. Maybe 30 people were in there. Um, I don't know how I found it. I just stumbled on it. And he had, he was trying to recover from this horrible cocaine addiction he, he went through. And I think this is one of the first gigs he played before uh, when, you know, after he stopped doing coke. And it was so sad in a way to see just there was 30 people listening to Billy Preston. Uh, anyway, I, I hope he did better after that. I think he did. Whatever but, happened to your was that a sad story? Whatever happened to your interviews? Do you still have them? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, actually, I um, a company with a Japanese partner, and we were doing lots of programming for Japan, NHK, which is the BBC of Japan. So we had a great audience. So I could get big people all the time because we could deliver a huge Japanese audience, which is important for me. So I, you know, I was supposed to interview him in Cape Cod. He wasn't aware of it, so we had to reschedule it in L.A. And, yeah, these are these are all in the NHK archives, unfortunately, in, in Tokyo. But if I really need something, I can get it. And we had such a great time, just he and I. I, I collected his music because I think, oh, before I forget, oh, the D- Danger Zone. I think he wrote it, but if you can find the Danger Zone about the way the world is headed, got to be 75 years old now or 60 years old. It is priceless. Ray Charles, The Danger Zone. Wow, awesome. Well, look, thanks for the call, Keith. Please stay in touch with us. And um, I'd love to hear some of those interviews one day, if that's possible. So, anyway, thank you for the call. We do appreciate it. Got to head to a break now. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurvy here. It is the Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. We're going to speak with Kevin Sorbo. And... Later on, Princess Die coming up on our Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Billy Preston on WABC. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. See Talk Radio 77. Birthday today, Steve Boone from the Loving Spoonful, who gave us this one in 1966. As promised, ladies and gentlemen, we are so very pleased to have with us uh, the amazingly great actor Kevin Sorbo. 
Kevin, thank you for joining us. How are you this morning? I'm fantastic, and uh, it's good to be on here, sir. I appreciate your time. Well, thank you. We've had your wife on before, too, and you guys are an amazing power couple. Uh, Two people, uh, both of you, have done extremely well in the film business and and the entertainment business, and yet you're both committed to causes that are so needed at this time. You have a new book out called The Test of Lionhood. Tell us about the book. Tell us about why you wrote it and what it's about. Well, actually, Brave Books reached out to me because I do a lot of speaking events, and I always talk about the silent majority out there. We keep hearing about it for decades, as you have. Well, where are the silent majority voices? Why, why are they not speaking out more? So I keep saying, you know, the sheep are going to be the sheep. We need to wake up the lions. And my, book, my good buddy, Kirk Cameron, did a book with those guys last year, and I know you know the story that public libraries would not let him read a seven, eight-year-old, but they were okay with drag queens coming to libraries and reading a seven. Well, wait a minute. Let's not just gloss over that, Kevin. Just talk about that for a second. Because this is important, okay? Um, th- yes, I'm aware of it, but a lot of people aren't. Tell them about that, please. Well, Kirk and I have known each other for a long time, and he did a book with, with Bray Books. Bray Books caters to like the 4- to 12-year-old crowd, and they're educational books with biblical values and morals and just wonderful little teachings that you know our public schools won't do today. So Kirk did a wonderful book and uh, wanted to go read at the libraries. Well, there are a number of libraries certainly opened up for him to come and read to uh, families, which they showed up by the hundreds of Philippi's libraries. But there were a number of public libraries that would ban him. But these are the same libraries that would have drag queens come and read to seven and eight-year-olds, because apparently that was okay, because Kirk Cameron, as you know, must be a very scary figure for these public libraries. So um, they approached me, and because I said, you know, to me, I kept saying, you know, let, let's let boys be boys and girls be girls. Let them grow up. Let them grow up and have hopefully strong uh, parents, you know, that have uh, strong fathers, strong mothers. And uh, they came to me and said, well, let's do a book on the, you know, called The Test of Linehood. And it's a wonderful little story about a little cub named Lucas, and he's out playing in the woods with his two younger sisters. He gets cut by a, a plant that's fatal. He knows he has no time to go back and run to his dad, but his dad has taught him many things about being out in the woods and being out in the forest. So he knows the closest thing for him to do now is run up to the mountain and get a special flower that only grows up there, and this is going to save her life. So he's got to find his own courage. He's got to find his own way, his own way and his own path to manhood. And um, through all the obstacles and fear and uncertainties, he's able to grab the courage, get up there, and save his little sister's life. This book doesn't bash any group. It's just a wonderful little story about a kid forced to grow up, and it's a wonderful tale that uh, parents will read to their kids. And right now, if they go to Brave Books, they can get an autographed copy for free as long as they join Brave Books for a year. And every month, they will get a wonderful book that uh, they can read to their kids and read with their kids. And that's all Brave Books does. They just want people to have a chance to have kids be kids instead of these books where they're teaching kids about having oral sex when they're in third grade. I mean, this is crazy what our public schools are doing right now. Because, you know, when I grew up in public schools, if you're a math teacher, a science teacher, that's what you taught. They weren't showing transgender movies or anything like that. You know, and I've, I'm in the business 40 years. I work with gay people all the time. You won't find one out there that sounds like a horrible person to be with. I'm a live and let live kind of guy. I let people do the things they want to do. But people are sick and tired of the, of the forced, uh, you know, agenda that Hollywood has out there. Look at, look at Disney. Disney's going to post over a billion-dollar loss this year with their woke agenda because people are tired of it. I don't know whether you whether you saw this story. Bob Iger was on a call with uh, the investors the other day, and Bob Iger pretty much said, "Look, uh, 
and I'm paraphrasing what he said. He said they're going to quiet down all of this cultural stuff that they've been into because it's bad for business. And that I did that story earlier this week. So you're right. Disney has suffered because parents have actually, this thing with Ron DeSantis actually blew back for them in a way that they did not expect. And it is bad for business. But I want to talk more about your book because one of the things that I understand um, that it deals with is this idea of celebrating masculinity. And that is something that we, that in our culture is now, look, from the time young boys are grown, first of all, oh, you're getting me started here. Okay. Because this is trigger stuff, okay, for me, because young boys are drugged up in school if they're hyper, supposedly hyper. Well, what do young boys do? Young boys by nature are hyper. They are they they like to run, they like to play, they like to grow their muscles, they like to they 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 are boys. They are they this is what they are. And so in the school system, now if boys are boys, we have to drug them beginning at a young age. We gotta start loading them up with drugs because they have too much energy. And then we're told later on that masculinity is toxic. And the very notion that boys behaving like boys is something bad, something evil that is toxic. And so there's a move on to make boys a lot more feminine and behaving. And I don't, you know, I'm not trying to, again, be offensive to people by saying that, but that's just where we are. So what is wrong with boys being boys, Kevin? I have no idea. And they've been doing it for decades now. This whole thing about making women more like men and men more like women, that's a drive society, doesn't make any sense. We need, you know, we're, we're called to be protectors and be providers. It takes nothing away from women. It takes nothing away from being feminine. The, the woman and the man both have certain qualities that the other one does not possess. And it's weird to me that we're trying to merge the two. If you look at movies. Right now, in most movies, the women are the ones that kick butt. They're the ones that save the day. The men look like wimps. The men just can't seem to do the job. Indiana Jones, they did the same thing in his most latest movie. It's a woman that really comes, ultimately saves the day. So it's, just, it's strange to me you got this going on. And you've seen it through you know, sitcoms since the 70s. You know, the, the, really one of the best sitcoms out there for the last 50 years was probably the Cosby show, where it showed the man and the woman it, it was funny. There was, you know, things that were going around, but they, they both had wonderful relationships and it was interesting. But if you look at most sitcoms, uh, the dads are kind of dopey and they're out of shape. The mom's a babe. The kids are teenagers and they make fun of dad. Dad is a pincushion for humor. So people grow up going, wow, you know what? Dad's not really an integral part of the family. We don't really need a father in the family. And that's a, look at the Barbie movie that's out right now. I haven't seen it, but I have multiple friends that took their children or grandchildren. They said, oh, my gosh, this movie just shows men are wimps and women just say we don't need a man. And that's what we're doing in our society today. And it's just, it, you know, let men be men. Let boys be boys. Let girls be girls. Let women be women. It's crazy that if, you know, my, my, my boys are now 22 and 19. They're 6'5 and 6'4. They work out. They're strong. They're total. They, they get it. But when they were younger, yeah, they would dress up in my wife's, you know, when they're five years old, dress up my my wife's clothes, put on her high heels and laugh and go around the house. I didn't look at them and go, oh, wow, maybe maybe we should put you on hormone blockers and maybe you want to be a girl instead. But we do that automatically right now. And these parents, shame on them for doing it for kids. And I see stories every week now 
with these people that did it, you know, a, a, two decades ago, and their kids are now in their 20s, and now they're angry at their mom going, what were you thinking? I was a kid. I was eight years old. There's a video out. There's a guy that's a video out right now. He puts $5,000 in front of these kids one at a time and two Oreo cookies and says, which of these do you want? They all pick the Oreo cookies. It shows you that right. a nine-year-old can't, can't look at it and go, wow, with $5,000, I can buy a lot of Oreo cookies. But it shows they can't make these decisions in life. Let them grow up. They'll figure stuff out. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, I do. Look, you talked about the, the children's books in the libraries. I don't, you, you, may, you probably have seen the video of Senator uh, John Kennedy out of Louisiana reading before yeah. A, yeah. in a Senate hearing what is in these books. Yeah. that are in the schools that liberals are defending, and now they're trying to castigate people saying, oh, those evil conservatives, they want to ban books in school. They want to get rid of books. If you listen to what was in, it was straight-up pornography. Yep. It was, there's no, and even the author of the book, as it turns out, said, someone interviewed, said these books were not meant for children to be in school. They are not meant for that. Yeah, well, this is the world we're living in right now. It's weird. They don't want my kind of book in their libraries, but they want books that teach, you know, uh, an eight, nine-year-olds how to give a blowjob. And we're talking about the man-on-man. And, you yep. know, let these kids grow, let them grow up and discover their own sexuality instead of forcing things on them at a young age and making they're confused enough the way it is, you know? So it's just, I, 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 I don't know. I, it's, this, this, the whole country, the whole world is going crazy right now. Let me ask you a question. You and your wife both are outspoken. Yep. What has this done to your careers? What is it doing to your careers? How are you both doing? You are outspoken. And if you had kept your mouth shut, I'm sure that there would be so much, so many more opportunities. I don't know. I don't know this, but I'm just, I'm, I'm assuming that there'd be so many more opportunities open to you in the world of Hollywood and film and all that. What is, or has, am I wrong? Has this cost your career anything? Your careers? Oh, yeah. Cost big time. I mean, I'm, look, I mean, I, I, I Hercules, seven years, most watched TV show in the world, 176 countries. Andromeda, first show created by Gene Roddenberry, number one show and first one syndication in America, also in 150 countries. Then I did a number of movies. Of course, the birth of all the internet. And I started posting stuff on the internet. I was posting the truth. And you know, kryptonite, truth is kryptonite to the left, to DC and to most of Hollywood. And my agent manager called me in, you know, a dozen years ago and said, we can't work with you anymore. Studios don't want to work with you because of your viewpoints. I'm going, what? I was actually shocked initially. Then I laughed. I said, no, you guys, Hollywood's the industry that says have tolerance for the movies we put out, freedom of speech. But we all know they're hypocrites in a one-way street with these guys. So they booted me out. But I love the industry. I love the creative process. We formed Sorbo Studios. Please go to SorboStudios.com. You can see the work we're doing. And I put out movies that I've worked with under other independent producers or through my own production company, movies like God's Not Dead, What If, Abel's Field, Let There Be Light, uh, Left Behind, Rise of the Antichrist. And my newest one coming out um, next month is called um, Miracle in East Texas that I directed. And I hope people will go check it out. It's a fathom event. And so I, I think there's a perfect segue for me to talk about this because the movies I do, the wonderful true story set in 1930, right in the heart depression. I directed it. It won 10 film festivals. 
Um, it's got Lou Gossett Jr. It's got uh, Tyler Maine. It's got my wife. It's got John Ratzenberger. It's a wonderful, wonderful movie set in 1930, and people will love it. Please support the movie. People stop me all the time and say, keep doing your family movies. It's PG-rated. Uh, they can see the trailer on SorboStudios.com and get the ear tickets right now. And you're right, it has cost me a lot, but that's okay. Hollywood owes me nothing. I'm, I'm sad that we can't have a, league, a, a, a debate in a common way because all the left does is yell really loudly. They figure if they yell at me louder that, they're, that, they're, that their phrases, their catchphrases make them correct. You know, you're a homophobe, you're an anti-Semite, you're a transphobe, but they never have anything to back it up. They just love their, their little phrases. But um, it's okay. I'm still making the movies that I want to make. And uh, I've still got a, you know, a, a career. I've got four of the movies in post-production right now. So I'm staying busy. My wife goes out and does a lot of speeches on homeschooling. And I think one of the blessings of COVID is two million more families are now homeschooling because they finally took the chance of, you know, the, the time to look at what schools are doing to their kids. Well, Kevin, that's a wrap for the time we have today. I'm going to invite you back again. Always a pleasure to speak with you. I just want to just say one thing. You know, it's not just the film industry. I wrote a piece this week, earlier this week, uh, about the music industry after uh, Jan Wainer's horrible comments about black and women musicians in rock. And I pointed out in that piece that the music industry is run by liberals as well as the rest of the entertainment industry. Yep. And if you want to know why this filth that pretends to be music is put into so many households, you have to look no further than understanding who is running that industry. And you are just doing amazing work, Kevin Sorbo. The book again, The Test of Lionhood. Please tell people one more time where they can get it. Go to BraveBooks.com. BraveBooks.com. Sign up now. You get a free copy signed by me as long as you join BraveBooks. And they'll send you a book every single month that your 4- to 12-year-olds will love. They're positive. They're uh, reinforcing good values. And uh, uh, I hope the mom and dads read these books along with their kids. These are good books and the, the wonderful company, what BraveBooks is doing. Thank you so much, Kevin. We'll have you back. Thank you much. Thank you, sir. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, here with you on WABC, coming back right after this. Don't go away. To all the girls I've loved before. Born on this day. Who travel in and out. Julio Iglesias. Iglesias. I'm glad they came along. Remember the three tenors. You know, Julio Iglesias has a really amazing story. We're a little late. I'm going to jump out right now, but I'll come back. I'll just mention it in a minute, and we'll get back to your calls. The Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. 1957, the Crickets, number one, with this one, that'll be the day. The phrase came from a John Wayne film, The Searchers. This is the Saturday morning, a radio extravaganza here on WABC, as promised. Let's get back to... 
The telephone's Lou in Pennsylvania. You are up next. Thank you for waiting. Thank you for your patience. Hey, good morning, James. You're a great good morning. Listen. Great listen every Saturday. Thank you. Looking at my disabled American veterans calendar this week, and I noticed Sunday is Gold Star Mother's Day. If I didn't look at the calendar, I would have never known. I kind of felt like, you know, we, we owe these people a little bit more respect. I haven't heard it anywhere. Have you? Did I miss it? I did not know it. And that's why when I saw you call up there, I wanted to take it. I had no idea that this uh, Sunday is designated as Gold Star Day. And I guess, it's, is it just for mothers? Or I'm assuming it's for Gold Star families. Because it is the family that loses when a military person gives their life and sacrifice to this country. And by the way, so many of them felt so completely disrespected by the way that this administration handled events in Afghanistan. And right now, that story has never been told in in completion. It turns out there were some people that say it could have been prevented, and those military members were never even interviewed by their own Pentagon. And just a quick aside on that, while we mention that, the Pentagon this week, also the U.S. Department of Defense, has now promised that they are going to improve the conditions in the barracks for U.S. troops after a report, a 118-page report from the U.S. Government Accountability Office laid bare the conditions in the barracks that house members of the military. That report detailed that some of these houses have sewage backups, inoperable fire systems, safety hazards, all of this. While we send money overseas by the billions, American troops' living conditions are squalid, which is shameful. And then for those who sacrifice their lives for this country, as you say, Lou, I did not know, and I'm sure many other people didn't know, that uh, tomorrow is Gold Star Day. So I can't thank you enough for bringing that to our attention is on the calendar as Gold Star Mother's Day. Okay. That's what it says. Can I drop something on you? Some news that uh, nobody's... Go right uh, ahead. Go ahead. My, wife, my wife's Peruvian. She uh, was monitoring the news in Peru Wednesday night, and she's like, oh, my God. I said, what is it? She goes, the military is out in the streets in Peru. They're rounding up Venezuelans that... People don't realize that when they left Venezuela the first time they went to Peru, I think a couple of million went there. They have problems there beyond belief, local kidnappings, people being held for ransom. They couldn't take it anymore. They're rounding them all up and ejecting them from the country. I said, where are they sending them? She goes, I'm not sure. I'm waiting to hear. Her brother's a retired major in the National Police Force there. But where do you think they're going to end up? They just, approved, they just approved the other day that they're going to give, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of work visas for Venezuelans. The next 467,000 people granted legal status unilaterally by Joe Biden. No vetting. Let's just grant them legal status. The next day, she's telling me this story about what's going on in Peru, that the military's rounding them up. I guarantee you they're, they're coming here. 
What a mess. Good grief, Lou. Thank you for the call. I so appreciate it. Thank you so much. Jeez. Thank you, Lou. God bless you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lou. Andrew and Stanhope, you're up next on WABC. Hey, what's up, James? Formerly from South Orange, Lauren Hill. She's from South Orange, went to Maplewood, Columbia High School in Maplewood, like I did. So she's trying to come off as hard or something, <laughs> saying she's from Newark. But um, I lived a block away. She lived more in a fancier neighborhood. And she became famous <laughs> for what song? Her remake of what song? It has a tie to Newark, if, if you know. Well, if, well, she became famous with the Fugees for a lot of songs. Their first big hit was Ready or, no, no the second one, Killing, no, Ready or Not may have been first, right. and then Killing Me Softly. Ready or Not, and of also, course, by uh, the Delphonics. Do you know more, but she also did the remake of um, Can't Take My Eyes Off of You, Frankie right. Valley, and that, they were from Newark, Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons, who actually were my mom's age, like went to her school. But um, this is why I say it was great with Kevin Sorbo. And um, one last music point, that was Willie Nelson that was singing before, not um, Julio Iglesias. And his son's story is awesome, Julio Iglesias, because he auditioned for the record companies under a fake name because he wanted to make it on his own. And they want, they signed him to a contract. And he said, okay, we're going to renegotiate this contract because I'm really... Julio Glace's son. So that was a cool uh, documentary on him. And I want to say Kevin was great. And it's also, uh, with, you know, they don't want to have a masculine father in the home. And that started, too, in the 60s. I got to see the government dependency kick in in Newark and East Orange, where Whitney Houston's from near where I live. Under, so the, under the guise of Lyndon Johnson's Great Society and what it did to American families we are still feeling the consequences of. Now, Julio Iglesias, that was him that we played, had no idea. He wanted to be a soccer player. He had also studied law. He became partially paralyzed in his 20s because of a benign spinal tumor. During his recovery, he was given a guitar by one of his nurses. Nurses are wonderful. Taught himself how to play by listening to songs on the radio and learn learning the songs. After he recovered, the rest was history. Heading to news with James Flippin on WABC. Going to rejoin the third hour of the Saturday morning radio extravaganza right after. So stay right here on WABC. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome to our number trio, my friends. We are in the third hour of the Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC. If you want to join us this hour, 800-848-WABC is the number to call. 800-848-9222. Nick is handling the music today. Nick is just awesome. Nick is a bass player, among other things. And this week we had, do you know whose birthday it was this week, Nick? I do not. Okay, if I said to you he was he was um, by Bass Player Magazine, he was nominated as the greatest bass player of all time, hands down. 
Who do you think it could be? I know we talked about it a few weeks ago. Is it uh, the great Jaco Pistorius? That's exactly right. And, you know, there are so many others because, you know, great bass, there are so many, oh, I, I am so getting in the weeds here. There are so many great bass players. If you start looking at upright bass players and those two, then you got to look at not just upright, you got to look at uh, Mingus, Charlie Mingus. You got to look at guys like Richard Davis. You have to look at guys, if you're talking about bass players, you, how can you not look at John Patitucci as being amazing? Stanley Clark, of course, is in a class by himself. Stanley Clark is just amazing. And, but there were so many others. And there are so many others that never even made the grade because they weren't famous, like Valman Burke. Val Burke is just was an incredible bass player. Uh, anyway, out of the weeds right now, let's talk education for a moment. Princess Di is coming up. I cannot wait. Princess Di has lured a big name into her fold. She's responsible for it. And our very own Mandarava, our very own Ms. Churchill, one of America's premier songwriters, has weighed in with the correction on something. She said that was Willie Nelson with Julio Iglesias. That's what she meant to say. That was Julio and Willie. Okay, so thank you very much. So... I want to talk about what's happening in Baltimore. You've talked about it before. I beg your indulgence if you are going to hear this again. This week, the story came out again in several news outlets about conditions in Baltimore schools. Let me read to you from a news story from MyNBC15.com which is the NBC affiliate in Baltimore, WBFF. At Baltimore's five best high schools, again, at Baltimore's five best high schools, 11% of students tested proficient on the state math exam. So at the five best high schools in Baltimore, only 11% of students were able to do math at grade level. A fraction of students in the five highest performing Baltimore City high schools are proficient in math on state exams. The findings come after an early review of the records found 13 high schools where zero students, zero students who took the 2023 math exam scored proficient. Zero. The report has sparked a strong reaction in the community. I can't tell you how horrible that is, says Brian Neum. This is when people get fired. When you have this much of a ringing failure in your schools, it should cost somebody their jobs. Sheila Dixon, who's running for mayor again, despite, despite her crooked background. This is a woman 
who I'm trying to remember the story. She was using gift cards or some some kind of way. She was involved in a scandal there involving her being guilty of stealing money. She's running for mayor again, even though she's like a convicted crook. I believe she's convicted. I'll have to go back and just do a quick search on Sheila Dixon. She's running for mayor again. She says parents, guardian supporters need to be outraged and sad and disheartening because first of all, today more than ever, the school system has the money and has the resources. WBFF's Project Baltimore questioned Senate President Bo Ferguson on Tuesday in Annapolis, asking him if he finds the test results acceptable. No, we are obviously not doing enough. So you have 13 high schools in Baltimore, 13, where not one student was able to pass the math exam. At the five top performing schools, only 11% of the students, in other words, 89% of the students are not proficient in the top five, the top five performing high schools. 89% can't do math. So now I dug up a story from, I think the story ran last year at Fox Baltimore. And it talks about the CEO of the school system there. Her name is Sonia Santelisis. Baltimore City Schools CEO earns nearly $445,000 a year due to perks buried in her contract. Project Baltimore dug into Dr. Sonia Santelisis' employment contract, found taxpayers are paying her over $100,000 more than they may have realized. And then the contract lays out, it's a 19-page contract that's very lucrative. This woman has been leading Baltimore education. She's, she's, you know, what Democrats call a woman of color. She's been leaving that school, leading that school system for years. This is how the city defends her. Dr. Sonia Brookings, Brookings, Santelises has been an incredible champion for city schools for nearly six years. Our CEO is worth every cent of her salary, aligning with her experience, skills, and education. The CEO received a pay increase when she signed her second contract in 2020, accounting for the difference between her 2016 salary and her pay to date. Any benefits received since are either part of the contract or in line with benefits available to district staff based on their union or non-union affiliation. So they are bragging about how great she is. Total compensation, 444875000 bucks a year. 
Meanwhile, you get the headlines at Baltimore's five best high schools, 11% of students tested proficient on state math exam. Written another way, 89% of students at the best performing high schools in Baltimore can't do math. Now, this is going to make a few of you a little annoyed. I don't think there's any question when you look at Baltimore's demographic makeup that what we are mostly talking about is black kids. Mostly. For the most part in in Baltimore. If you want to know why it is, and let's I'm going to expand these remarks beyond Baltimore. I look at news every day. Every day I see black faces in the news, kids. There are two kids today, black faces. They may not be, they may be Hispanic, black, they may be black. They're the two kids in California who ran over with their, uh, with a vehicle that I think was later stolen. They ran over a sheriff, they killed him. And they were bragging, one of them, I, I'll be out in 30 days. I'll be out in 30 days. And you look and you say, how can these little kids, these little kids be dregs of society? And they're, they're not even fully grown men yet. And it's not just the men. Every day, if you look in the papers, you see it and you don't want to comment on it. You say, why are there so many black kids in these crime stories? Why are there so many black kids doing these horrific things around the country? Why is it every time I pick up the newspaper, not that that's all I see, because there's certainly other kids doing terrible things of all colors, of all ethnic groups, of all persuasions, but you cannot help but notice the sheer number of news stories that you pick up where there are black kids doing these god-awful things, and you wonder, how is this happening? If you look at these videos of these smash and grabs, what do you see? You see a lot of them are black kids. They figure out how to use the Internet, okay? They don't have any problem knowing how to coordinate using tech to go in and rob somebody and steal. Why is it? Why are these black kids misbehaving in such high numbers that you see them in the press all the time? Again, I am not excluding other people. I am not saying it is only blacks. So cool your jets, those of you that want to just, oh, my God, he's singling out black kids. But I am singling out black kids. Because there was a day in this country when this wasn't the case. Don't remember that, do you? Dr. Walter Williams, who in many ways was my mentor on economic issues, and Dr. Thomas Sowell have written books and described what the difference was when they grew up and what's now. At that time in the 1950s, 1940s, 1930s, black households were the highest ranking households where there were two parent families. Today, that is completely reversed. Black single mothers, number one. The number of abortions, black women. In every criteria that speaks to the stability of a two-parent home and raising kids, black people are coming down as losers in it. By the numbers. 
It is a complete reversal from where we were in less than 80 years. Why? We had an earlier caller that alluded to it. The Democrat policies of the great society, which started rewarding single parenthood. Oh, you make more babies, we'll give you more money. No, you don't need a black guy around, just we'll, we'll give you money. The welfare state that Democrats fund that make it easy to just sit home and collect checks don't work. And then you look at this lack of education, and I cannot tell you how much this is impacting your society. When you have kids with undeveloped brains, undeveloped because of choice, because their parents are not interested in their lives, because their parents don't take an active role in their lives, because their parents have them and just leave them to raise themselves. No instruction. You won't take them to church. Don't take them to Sunday school. Don't take them to sin. Don't take them anywhere where they can learn morals or values. Then on top of that, you have an education system teaching them that half of them should be, the males should be girls and, and, and how to do gay sex and how to do sex with girls and how to do sex every way possible. But yet they can't read. They can't do math. And then you add on top of that the music that they're listening to, which is promoting the street life, promoting this gangsterism, this thugism, this just hedonistic have sex with anybody you want as often as you want. There are no consequences to it. Then the glitter, oh, go after the street life, get the glitter. You have former drug dealers now that are held up as icons and, and, and heroes in society because they manage to put a few words on a rap record and marry well, and then they're supposed to be the heroes. So you have this drug culture, the gang culture, on top of it, the victimization culture that America is a terrible place, that America has never done black people right. You're here, you're a victim. You don't have to obey society's rules. By the way, screw the cops, hate the cops, screw anything that has to do with authority. Never mind, F the police this, F the police that, F all the authority that, that maintains a societal sense of law, responsibility, an orderly society, a civil society, you throw all these ingredients in the pot and mix them up, and what do you come up with? You come up with generation after generation where black kids are being trained to be criminals, be thugs, be overly promiscuous, have no respect for any moral code, moral bearing, and then you wonder why the jails are so filled up, and then you complain that they're being mass incarcerated. As much as I would like to say that the problem with Miss Baltimore and her $444,875 salary is responsible, she's not altogether responsible for this. The parents in Baltimore are responsible for not, allow, for not demanding that their children have a good education. But then when you talk about, well, let's get them out of the failing schools, every Democrat and their mama's going to line up elected and tell you, no, those niggers don't deserve, and I said niggers, I didn't say that word. You might want to beep it anyway.
Every Democrat will line up and say, no, those people don't deserve a quality education. Those people don't deserve to have their children go to decent schools because our union members would suffer if we allowed them to actually choose good schools for their own children. The Democrat Party, these institutions that they have set up, have been set up to keep the very people oppressed that they complain are oppressed. And it has been working spectacularly. The Democrat Party has done more to achieve the objectives of the Ku Klux Klan than any other political party in history. They have destroyed families. They have destroyed the morality of America. They are ripping this nation apart. And I have to take a break because I'm late. And we got to talk to Princess Di. I'm getting off it. And your calls are coming up too. Nick, what is this? We got trucking by the Grateful Dead. Trucking, got my chips cashed in. Keep trucking, like the doodah man together. Oh, that's in life. Robert Hunter, Grateful Dead. A lyricist died on this day in uh, uh, 2019. He's the guy that did many of the lyrics for The Grateful Dead. Robert Hunter, WABC, coming back. Princess Di will join us. Chicago, New York, Detroit, and it's all the same street. Your typical city involved in a typical daydream. Hang it up and see what tomorrow brings. Dallas, got us off the... It's time for a Radio Royalty with James Golden and America's Princess of Policy, Princess Di. <laughs> for this moment, when Her Royal Highness, the Princess of Policy, can be held accountable for what she's done. <laughs> and also, blesses us with her amazingly prescient insight into matters affecting all of our lives in this great nation without any further ado we welcome her royal highness princess diana good morning my lady how are you good morning sir james always a pleasure to speak with you i think yes Yes, yes. I will hold in reserve my calling you into account for what you've done until after we talk about things that are on your mind. Okay. Thank you. Maybe we will run out of time. That would be wonderful. Listen, <laughs> I, I, I have an article which fits into what you were just talking about which I remembered as you were describing the you know, horrible situation in Baltimore. And this is a political article, Politico, from this week. And it is so, I laughed all the way through. It is so delightful and so delicious. This is the headline. We've lost our advantage on education. Democrats grasp for wins on public schools. And oh. the problem, yes, yes. This is this is a problem because it turns out this is what Politico says. Political skirmishes over classrooms have left Democrats underwater with Republicans in battleground states. This Whoa. has been 
such a problem for the Democrat Party because the Democrat constituency is so enamored of the idea of school choice. And so this has taken hold in um, government, uh, Republican-governed states, after states. And the governors are signing school choice so that the money follows the child instead of going to the teachers' unions. And it has made such a difference that all of a sudden, for competition, the Democrat Party is in the hole. And so they realize they've got to come up with a strategy, and they don't have one. They don't have one. And the one they came up with in this article is they're going to have school choice sort of among public schools, which is completely what they did with charter schools already. So that is an old idea. And it has succeeded in some regard, but it has just given people the appetite for true school choice where parents have the power. They get to decide. And as you know, and we've talked about before, among African-American parents, this is enormously popular so that they have control over where to send their kids. So you mentioned the problem and uh, the solution has presented itself and now it is hurting the Democrat Party and I could not be happier. Amazing. Thank you for that. Okay. I'm waiting. Okay, I want you to tell well, us what's on your mind besides that. And then and then you and then you have to answer. And then you have to answer. All right. Well then I'm gonna, you know, basically just talk, talk, talk. I was so interested in this one little one little story which didn't get a whole lot of coverage. But it got enough to get our, you know, radar going. And okay. this is a new group uh, just appointed by Homeland Se- Sec- Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Oh, and loser. it's a new group of intelligence experts who are going to help with the, you know, needs of the government in preparation to for the election. And I call them the Biden Dirty Trick Squad. Two of the people on here that Biden has appointed, James Clapper and John Brennan, were heavily involved in the election interference in 2016 and 2020. They were heavily involved with the Clinton campaign on the Russia hoax, the crossfire hurricane. And they were heavily involved with the laptop, uh, the squashing of it, having the media not cover it because they put out this letter with 49 other quote-unquote intelligence experts saying it, it was Russian disinformation. So they are being called upon by Biden and his ilk to get involved in uh, election interference for 2024. So I think we need to keep our our eyes open that the operations are going to be, you know, really hard to detect. But they've been given this assignment basically to, to tank the Republican nominee, likely Trump. Wow. I can't. This is just I mean, these guys need to be brought up on charges for what they did. But instead, they're yeah. being brought back into the administration. Well, interestingly enough, John Brennan's uh, security clearance was removed by Donald Trump. So he has motivation for revenge enormously. And a lot of these people um, on this expert group are, you know, formal, former intel officials, uh, experts in surveillance. 
And so the Homeland Security is where this is all being centered. And they are basically the hub of the censorship regime for the Democrats, for the Biden administration. So this is just one more layer. And you're adding in intel and surveillance and the operatives. And so they're going to be busy, 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 busy bees, you know, because all of the things that they've tried so far on the Democrat side, including indictments up the wazoo, has, has not stopped Donald Trump from advancing. And, and they are really uh, panicking now. So this is a sign of panic. Okay. Now, earlier in the week, I retweeted something or re-X'd something that I guess is re-X'd. I re-X'd something that you X'd. You said that you were not giving one bit of energy, not one iota of your energy to these shutdown stories. It is a, well, I'm paraphrasing you, of course, your majesty. Please forgive me for that. <laughs> that, um, that, that, that you, uh, this is a well orchestrated dance that goes, uh, basically you're saying, look, this is the same old playbook stuff that happens all the time. I'm not giving any energy at all to this shutdown, these stories about shutdown or whatever. So now we're at the brink. Those evil Republicans have once again threatening to shut down Jellystone Park. They're threatening seniors. They're threatening to the military. And people are not going to get paid. And people are going to be forced to work with no pay because those evil Republicans, led by the extreme right, ultra-wing hardliners, are demanding massive pay massive spending cuts that America could never stand. And even moderate Republicans hate their guts. And moderate Republicans like this guy Lawler in New York are demanding that these evil Republicans stop talking about spending cuts and just get on with the business of America, which is to spend itself into bankruptcy and oblivion. And so your take. Well, uh, you know, you you were correct. I basically said I wasn't going to pay any attention because I've paid attention to these things and hoped against hope. And, you know, they always cave the Republicans and it always moves forward. And it's just been a dance that is is boring at this point. On the other hand, it looks to me like Kevin McCarthy is not going to be able to get it done. It looks to me he he can only afford to lose four of his caucus and he's been losing seven to advance the continuing resolution, the stopgap measures to keep the government open. And so I was interested this morning in reading all the headlines from Politico. Susan Collins tries to steer the Republicans away from the shutdown cliff. McCarthy stares into the shutdown abyss and government shutdowns can wreak havoc. Pardon me. So I have been looking at this. And so interestingly enough, it looks like the Republicans are, you know, a, a core group are not going to cave. And so the only solution in Washington's mind is that McCarthy has to work with the Democrats in the House. And yep. that is presented as the new answer. And so I, I was interested in, a, in an interview with Catherine Clark, a name I wasn't familiar with. She is the House Minority Whip. And there was an interview with her on the Washington Post. She is known as the silent assassin. And in this long interview, and I was interested because I'm like, okay, I got to know this. I have to know who she is because she's going to be a key member of whatever happens. And she named her price 
to work with Kevin McCarthy and save his bacon and, and have her people vote with Kevin McCarthy to advance this idea of keeping the government operating. She wants two things, Ukraine fully funded and to, mm. drop, and to drop impeachment. Those are, those are her prices. Two things. That's when I became interested. I was like, oh, here we well, go. Well, wait a minute. You got that little firecracker over there, MTM, saying she ain't voting for nothing with Ukraine funding in it. And you have right. every Republican conservative in the way. If they drop this impeachment thing and openly, now they can slow walk it, which is what I think thought they were going to do all along. But if right. they openly drop it, there's going to be a hell of a price to pay with the Republican conservative base yep. on this, which, by the way, uh, are outnumbered by the Republican moderates and rhinos. Yes, in Congress, in both houses, absolutely. So Kevin McCarthy is is probably not going to survive this, the way I'm looking at it, because he's in an impossible position. If he does the only thing that the establishment wants, which is works with Democrats, he loses his chair. And if he doesn't, he loses his chair because the whole thing will collapse. And he will be seen as, and this is the, the plan B for the Democrats, if there is a Democrat shutdown, they are going to blame the economy on, on I mean, a Republican shutdown. They are going to blame the economy on Republicans. And this is ginning up. I read this article in Politico as well the other day, <clears throat> and that how great the economy is and how wonderful the economy is. And they've been lying about this for a long time, as you know, in the media. In the you know the the job rate and the unemployment rate and the GDP and everything is stellar, so this will allow them to tell the truth about the economy if the government does shut down. So that's their plan. If they can't make McCarthy move forward, and if there is a shutdown, I believe that's going to be what the election is going to be about: blaming Republicans for the economic turndown, which happened two years ago when Biden came on scene. Oh my goodness, what a mess. All right, yeah. time for you to be time for you to be held to account, your majesty. You did this. All right. So Texas Senator Ted Cruz hosted a podcast this week. It's called Verdict with Ted Cruz. And boy oh boy, this got some headlines and I said to myself, where did this come from? And I know where it came from. In the podcast, he says, and I quote, so here's the scenario I think will be most likely and most dangerous. In August of 2024, the Democrat kingmakers jettisoned Joe Biden and parachute in Michelle Obama. I view this as a very, very serious, serious danger. I said to myself, I said to myself, who started this? And it all, all fingers point back to you. You have been, you started this over a year ago. It's going to be Michelle Obama. It's going to be Michelle Obama. Well, now you have roped in Ted Cruz. Well, I, you know. Don't you feel ashamed? Don't you feel ashamed of yourself? I am not an influencer in any way, but I have to say. That is not true. Okay, this is something that, in my opinion, was obvious. I was so happy. I basically decided, let me get put a 
pushed in in this. And in August of 2022, I did write the piece, Here Comes Michelle, which was in Tip Insights. And I gave my reasons why. And that's right. No, don't gloss over that. This is where this started in November 2022. Miss, I'm not an influencer. August, August, August in August 2022. Miss, I'm not an influencer. Princess Diana writes a piece. And what is the title of the piece? Here comes Michelle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) <laughs> Let me tell you why I think very smart people have, have come to the same oh, conclusion. Oh, and oh, one of them oh, is Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson oh, has said this over the last few months, and so has Roger Stone. And so this is not something that, you know, in my opinion, that was, you know, only I thought of. I think if you look at the political landscape, this this seems inevitable because it's the only one in which Democrats can win the old fashioned way, which is actually by voting. All right. I'm going to just say this. I am blaming you for this. If this comes to happen, I am going to blame you for this. I still maintain this will not happen. She's not interested. That's right. But if this happens and if this plague hits America, this is going to be Princess Diana's plague. (laughs) You cannot blame me. I don't think. Yes, I can. And I will. Yes, I, I can, will, and I, I will. It's going to be a hard-fought election. I think that the Republican nominee, if it is Trump, I think he can win. Because not only is she beloved by the Democrats, she is also not beloved by the Republicans. And so it's going to be a very dynamic race, and it's going to be wonderful and horrible because it's going to be, you know, a very serious battle. Mark. So. Mark, mark my words, your listen, highness. Listen, I got one other thing I got to say. I read through this in anticipation of you yelling at me for it. And I have to say, this has stood up pretty well. The first paragraph, quote, the, the horse race poll at the time. This was over a year ago. Trump had 55 and DeSantis had 12. Now, Whoa. in the meantime... And as I said to you at the time, I'm like, somebody wants us to have this divisive fight because what has happened in the meantime is that everything has settled back to where it started. And if, in fact, that that unity ticket was one that was going to be happening, which would be Trump DeSantis together, then, you know, this would be a the strongest ticket possible at the time. No, no longer, because there were forces that came in and basically said, all right, pick between them. And so you had to have the primary fight, which is bruising, always is. And, you know, so in the end, DeSantis ends up where he was. And you have no way that this is going to be a unified ticket. So somebody made a very, some forces made a calculated decision to divide us, and they did it successfully. Thank you, Your Majesty. I'm just going to say one more thing. You are to blame if this happens, and I will never, ever 
let you forget it. All right, so you're to blame that Mitch McConnell is still in power. No, I'm not. So, yes, you are. You are a fan of his, and you have supported his and him, and I blame you for that. We have to go to a break on that happy note. Thank you, Your Majesty. <laughs> Thank you, Sir James. We'll catch up with you next week. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, blaming me for Mitch McConnell. Right, we got to go to a break. We're coming back. Your calls are coming up for the rest of the show. So don't go away. It's the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Our beloved Princess Di. Coming back right after this. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden. A.K.A. Bo Snurdly on 77 WABC. The box tops, of course, we went in with the letter. That was the number one hit back in 67. And this is Sting, who won on this day the best musical performance for Sting in Tuscany. Let's head to the telephones, and we start with William in Westchester. What's going on, William? How are you this morning? Oh, pretty good. Hey, James, three very quick points. Number one, Princess Di just reassured me for my reasoning in referring to the GOP as the FERP, effing useless Republican Party. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, Baltimore <laughs> schools. A friend of mine taught in a Baltimore-like school district just immediately north of NYC. He was rated the worst math teacher in the district. They transferred him to another school where the adults were in charge. Instead of wearing out the seats of their pants, they wore out the soles of their shoes, practiced managing by walking around based on state test results. He became the highest uh, uh, reporting uh, uh, teacher based on state test results in math. It can be done, even Baltimore. Thirdly, Kevin Sorbo talked about uh, Kirk Cameron uh, making library appearances. He did one in Scarsdale just before New Year's, and it just so happened I found an excuse to go to the Scarsdale Library reference desk just as his appearance was about to start. The place was filled with people from all over Westchester and other surrounding areas. I had to tell uh, help the state cops and uh, local cops to f tell people where they could find places to park. place was filled to overflowing. Article on News 12 that day said uh, one of the residents of Scarsdale, well, Kirk Cameron doesn't reflect Scarsdale values. There might be something to that because last Sunday a Catholic church in Scarsdale hosted uh, James Martin, a Jesuit priest who basically is a proponent of what I call homosexualism. But Kirk Cameron had his appearance. They had to uh, uh, book him for uh, overflow. They had, they had him do uh, two appearances while he was there. It was a great show out. Wonderful. Thank you for the information, William. Great call. Appreciate you much. Sandra in New Jersey, you're up next. Oh, hello? Yes, Sandra. Hello? Oh, hi. Hello. Okay. Um, thank you. Do you hear me? Yes. Hello? Yes. Hello. Okay. We're here. Thank Hello. Go ahead, Hello. Sandra. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Thank you for taking my call. I was thinking about a story I read last week about a 14-year-old boy who um, 
got these flu-like symptoms, and before you know it, he goes into cardiac arrest and goes to the hospital and is put on this machine to get the blood flowing. And as a result, he had to lose his hands and his legs. And this oh boy, God. 14 years Oh, it's terrible. He was 14. He would run cross country. He played soccer. He played the piano. He, had, he, he was a lovely, lovely child. And I thought, how is this boy going to cope with this? Then I thought of Charles Krauthammer, how he turned lemon into lemonade when he dived into that pool and he became paralyzed totally. He became a a Pulitzer Prize winner. He became uh, fabulous on, on Fox News. And so this boy, I pray for him. I, I think of the serenity prayer, you know, God help me accept what I can change, the courage to change what I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I just, just wanted to share the story that we have to be grateful for what we have because at any moment, anything can change for any of us. And I just think of this boy and I pray for him and I hope that he has the courage to make what happened to him. I don't know. Just Sandra, just thank you for that. It is so sad, but you're right. Even in sadness, there is hope. And I'm sure your prayers and, and we hope that this we wish the best for this boy under these horrible circumstances. Thank you. We have to take a break. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, coming back. We're going to do rapid phones. We're going to get to as many phones as possible before it's time for us to check out. So if you're on hold, be on hold and be ready to go with your point when I call your name. Rapid Phone's coming up on WABC. This is the Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. ABC Talk Radio 77 here in New York. It is time, ladies and gentlemen, to hit the telephones for rapid phones. Let us start with Mike in Nassau County. Mike, you're on WABC. Hey, Bob. I spoke to you a few times. I'll make it quick. I'm in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina now, originally from Nassau. We spoke about um, Chick Corea. I was in the Poconos. And I'll tell you this, uh, you got game on the radio. I was a drummer back in the day. Curtis Lee, we were the same age. And uh, I, I called overnight with Rita Cosby and Dominic Carter, you know. And, uh, you know, my son is 28 now. He was in the same graduating class as Bernie McGurk's daughter at Cortland. She played volleyball. My son was a wide receiver. And you know what, Bo? You got mojo. I wish you would have called earlier. But uh, it is what it is, and I'm glad it got through, brother. I'm glad it got through. Thank you. I appreciate it. Jeff in Port Jefferson, you are up next. <clears throat> Hi, Bo. I was hoping I was going to get more time to uh, talk about Use your time. Just start. What do you want to talk about? Get right to it. I said there's a humanitarian crisis unequal since World War II going on right now in Ukraine. Unfortunately, this station is misrepresenting what's going on because of the backlash against Biden, the truth is not being said. And you've made a lot of statements about their, about corruptness and other things that are blatantly not true. First of all, Jeff, what statements have I made? I don't even talk about Ukraine. So you sit here and you say you've made a lot of statements. 
That's bull, because I haven't even talked about Ukraine since the early days of the war. So you tell me, Jeff, what I have said that's a misstatement. There's a soundbite. There's a soundbite that keeps being played about Ukraine's corruptness with that they keep playing that, that what's quoting you. No, tell me, tell me what I said. I have talked about Ukraine corrupt with Hunter Biden, and that's it. I have not talked about Ukraine. So tell me exactly what I said about Ukraine. I uh, you made reference to um, the amount of money that's being sent there. You made reference uh, and made reference to uh, Nazi collaboration, and those things are not true. First of all, wrong. I did not. Now I do talk about the amount of money that we send overseas, and I specifically say overseas to avoid getting in the middle of this Ukraine thing because I have a mixed view of Ukraine. Part of me says we shouldn't be sending any money there. The other part of me says we cannot let Russia succeed. And then another part of me says if 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 we went almost to a nuclear standoff with the Russians in 1960 because they wanted to park nuclear weapons in Cuba Ukraine is right on the border, but a part of me says it's still commie Russia. So the reason I haven't talked about Ukraine is because I'm still trying to figure out what I really think about Ukraine. So don't call here and tell me that I did, that I say misstatements about Ukraine because deliberately I haven't talked about it. So thank you for waiting to get through. But if you're going to accuse me of saying something, be ready to tell me what I said. And if I said it, I'll own up to it. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate and hope to hear from you again with a correction and an apology. Greg in New Jersey, you're up next. Hi, James. Thank you for taking my call. I want to talk about these kids that got arrested for running that guy over. What we're doing in a larger sense is we're taking away the rights of people who sit in jail and contemplate what they are doing. There's no more punishment involved anymore. You just you do what you do. It's, everything's fine because you're a victim. You're allowed to do all of this stuff. And you don't get a chance to sit in a jail cell and say, look, man, I, I, this, maybe I'm doing something wrong. We're taking that away from people. And it, it's, it's, it's a shame. I, you know, I spent 25 years in a, as a drug addict. I spent 25 years as a, as a legitimate person. I, you know, I raised a family, did all this stuff. I cleaned up in the late 90s. And I really want to help. I really want to give back. I really want to do something. And there's too many problems. I mean, it's just, there's, no, there's no end to the problems that we can complain about. I think we really just need to return to our Judeo-Christian values that, that, that really made this country great. That's who we are. And, and, and if you read Scripture, that kingdom will never end. It will never end. And, and Thank you, Greg. I really appreciate that. Let me try to get one or two more voices in here. Time is out. We heard you loud and clear, and we agree with you. Greg and Gail in Staten Island, you're up next. James, very quickly, your first earliest segment with Derek was great. Menendez, song came to mind, Gold Digger by Jamie Foxx and Kanye West. Second, first day of autumn comes to mind, Frank Sinatra, beautiful song. We can dream, can't we? And also, James... You were speaking about John Coltrane. He also did Autumn in New York. with Autumn in New York. 
Yep. And yes, it's a little different than Frank Sinatra's, but that's okay. He's jazz. And you know what? I'm not buttering you up. That's three hours on radio. Your commentary, your guest, your music, your callers, I digress. Thank you, James. I love you, Gail. Thank you so much. George, Rockland County, up next. Yeah, hi, uh, uh, Mr. Gordon. Okay, so, uh, you know, I don't understand. That's really a question here, okay? Why people as a whole feel is that you feel, should feel sorry for people who die because of use of drugs and alcohol. They call because, let, let me explain to you why, really quickly, because they are humans. And because each human life, even the ones we think have done some of the most awful thing, are human beings. And people should never lose their humanity in feeling sorry for other people. That's why. Steve, you got to do this in 20 seconds or less. Right to your point, Steve in Brooklyn. Michelle's running mate will be Barack Obama first. Their family wealth is income, not campaign donations, so it's not subject to campaign finance. Barack can't run again. He has the potential under that mix to become president again, which would violate the Constitution. There'd be lawsuits out the wazoo. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much. God bless each and every single one of you. God protect and bless each and every one of you, your family, your loved ones. Love and gratitude for you being here with me each and every Saturday and each and every weekday for Bo Snurley's Rush Hour. God willing, we will see you Monday at 4 o'clock. Bye.